Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. I don't know why I was about to say Happy New Year. Uh, happy Mid-Year. Happy Goodbye 2020. It's 2021. I'm... I, I'm completely confused and confuzzled because I am live right this very second, streaming to three platforms at the same time, YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook. This is, I'm still new at this. I'm still got the butterflies. I'm sweating up a storm. And I need to, first of all, confirm that you can hear me because the first rule of live streaming always confirm the audio. So I'll wait a little bit until somebody uh, lets me know that that is all Coolio. I can go back over here and check. Um, All right, Lucas uh, from YouTube. Hello, Lucas, as loud and clear as does Gerard. And hello to Stacy and Michael Wiesner. Miwi, hello. Guten Abend, meine Freund. And uh, nice to see you, buddy. Okay, you're going to be happy with this list. Alrighty. Um, and Marlon and Darren and Adrian and uh, and Travis and Shelfside. Hey, guys. Um, I'll be talking to you later this week, as you know. Lance, Alan, Stacy again, Spot, Nico. Alrighty, so YouTube seems to be able to hear me. Alright, and it seems like mostly I'm getting YouTube folks... And of course, that's to be expected because the majority of people who follow me, follow me on YouTube. I'm still a noob on Twitch. Let's see how I'm looking over there. I've got one person. uh, Oh, and I think that's me. Nobody's shown up to my Twitch stream yet. Oh, that's so sad. Um, But that's okay. We'll uh, we'll get there in the end. I'm sure some folks... Oh, and oh, I spoke too soon. Two more people have joined the uh, stream over on Twitch. Hello, uh, Chaotic Scientist. Nice to meet you. Welcome to the show. And let me just confirm the Facebook thing is working now. Of course, Facebook doesn't have live chat, but people can leave comments, I guess. Um, It says it's working. All right. Okay. I can breathe a sigh of relief, and now I can just go about my business talking to you folks about the best games of last year, 2020. And of course, I've already done this once. Oh, and uh, hooray! Thank you for following uh, Jay Rhodes on Twitch. Uh, last night I was up late learning how to do all the little pop-ups so that when somebody follows me or subscribes to me or likes me, it'll make... Look at the little fireworks! Aren't those cute? I found a nice little looping thing. I don't know. I probably should have made some video of going, yeah, or stuff like that, but I was stressing out, folks. I'm still new to all of this. And anyway, though, um, it seems to be working. We are on. We are go for top 20. And this is the second time I have done this list. On Christmas Day, December 25th last year, I did my preliminary top 10 based on the games I had played at that point. And like every year, I give myself another few months to catch all the ones that I hadn't played because um, there were still a lot in the queue. Now, as of now, there is only one game that could potentially make my top 10 of the year that I have not played endangered. That looks really good to me, and I'm really kind of bummed. So, 
that'll get a little honorable mention, but I am going to talk about the 10 that I think, uh, with Endangered Aside, I'm pretty confident for me and Jen are the best games that last year had to offer, and it was a fantastic year. I'm very, very happy with the results. And um, what I'm going to do right now is you folks can chat amongst yourselves. In theory, Twitch people and um, uh, YouTube people can chat back and forth because Restream, which is the program I'm using to do this simultaneous stream, will automatically um, transport Twitch comments over to YouTube and um, YouTube comments over to Twitch and Facebook comments to both, which is really, really awesome. So talk amongst yourselves. And um, I'm going to go on ahead and do this countdown. During this, I'm not really going to be following the chat, but after we're done, I'll bring the chat window up and I'll start uh, doing a little bit of the back and forth, the Q's and the A's, in case you folks think I'm absolutely crazy or what about game X, Y, or Z, or whatever it might be. So um, we will be getting to that shortly. But for now, let me switch over to my PowerPoint presentation. Thank you for following uh, DeGlobby. And uh, also, folks, let me know what you think about the little fireworksy thing and all of that. Uh, like I said, I just didn't have much time to do much more. I just... Looping fireworks animation. It was the first one I found. It seemed nice. It's nice and colorful. But let's go to PowerPoint now. And <clears throat> we will start the countdown. Yep, this is up. And Adam, so folks, beginning with my number 11, because I'm going to cheat a little bit and mention Fam. Another honorable mention, I mean, right up until literally two weeks ago, Fam was my number 10 of the year, and it's so fantastic. Uh, it does so many cool things. As I said in my run-through, this is designer Friedman Freeze's Concordia. And in fact, I think I even like it a little bit more than Concordia, and I thought for sure I was going to be including it in my top 10. But a relative latecomer really surprised me and pushed it out. But it is still a fantastic game all about um, you know, harvesting resources in ancient Egypt with a very, very cool central mechanism. Like Concordia, you're, you have a hand of cards, you're playing a card to do whatever action you're going to do. These cards have a wide variety of actions and there's lots more that you'll be grabbing over the course of the game, kind of like a hand builder. But unlike Concordia, when you eventually decide, oh, I need all my cards back and you have to skip a turn to get them back, in a lot of games, Lewis and Clark is another one. You just grab all the cards, you take a turn. In this game, you can only grab the three... You have to pay money to grab cards that are deeper. And this creates such an amazing uh, amount of tension. Because I want to play these cards as fast as I can. But then I'm going to have to pay to get them back. I should wait. I should use my weaker cards first. But you don't want to use your weaker cards first. It is brilliant. It is my favorite Freedom and Freeze game of all time. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, it Eclipse Power Grid. It's actually better than Concordia. And the only complaint I would have is it is a little bit on the long side. Kind of like Concordia is a little bit on the long side for me and Jen. Although there's a really easy fix for that. When you do an administration, instead of just discarding the two oldest cards, discard the three oldest cards. And it's like uh, the game's going a little bit faster if you're playing with higher player count. Anyway, though, I'm totally cheating. This is supposed to be top 10, but I could not not talk about fam. I love it so much. So that was my number 11 of 2020. And now we can begin the top 10s with the Red Cathedral. Oh my goodness. This is so amazing. It's from a relative new designer. I believe it's a married couple. Uh, I don't remember from Devier Publisher. And um, it's interesting. The last live uh, 
multi-stream test I did for my... Uh, I did a Q&A, and one of the questions that came up was, Rado, pick a couple of mechanisms that haven't been done and combine them. And the one I came up with off the top of my head was rondelles and uh, multi-use. Instead of multi-use cards, multi-use dice. Multi-use rondel. I thought that would be brilliant. And a lot of people said, yeah, that sounds really cool. And some people guessed, well, is this like this? Is that like that? And uh, wasn't it... Another, but Red Cathedral is exactly that. This is a rondel game. Where, um, when you move clockwise to do whatever action, you have several actions to choose from. They are um, changeable from game to game because you have these guild cards that come out. And the amount of space you get to move on the rondelle, unlike the Mac Gertz standard that's been with us forever, is uh, based on the dice. Because it's dice that are moving around the rondelle. So I pick up that white three. I get to move three spaces clockwise and do whatever that action is. And um, then we re-roll the dice uh, that are on that final space so that um, what actions you have... Uh, access to are constantly in flux. And what we're trying to do with this game is harvest resources to build the Red Cathedral, which is um, a, can be a different layout every single time as well. There are so many cool design elements in this game. Um, you know, the rondelle itself, driven by dice, is brilliant. The, uh, the, the kind of player collaboration of building the Red Cathedral is really smart. Because if I start building a base, that means all of a sudden my opponents can start building above me and maybe even shame me in front of the Tsar by building faster than I do. And um, also, once I've actually built my section of the Red Cathedral, um, other people might be waiting for me to be done so they can rush in and decorate it and get a few points as well. Other great things, uh, one of the things that makes the game really sharp is you have an incredible vice around you because you're really restricted in how much building resources you can have on hand. And once you've collected them, you must use them. You can't just jettison them to make room for other stuff. So this is a game all about using the rondelle to peak efficiency to get a whole bunch of stone. But then I've got a whole bunch of stone. What am I going to do with all this? I need more room for bricks. You know, that kind of stuff. But the most brilliant thing about this game, it's one of the smartest design things I've seen all last year, is the way the victory point track works. Because you, as you work your way up the victory point track, there are these milestones. I think they're called prestige spots. And anytime you want on a turn, you can sacrifice prestige, which means you'll fall back a certain level on the victory point track to be able to get the, the stuff you need to get stuff done. And so... Um, but the tricky thing is, if you have moved your gone on victory points to where you're just about to cross over the threshold to get a higher level of prestige, you don't want to do this because you'll be giving up a lot of points. But if you've just moved past a prestige, then if you do it, you're only going to lose a few points. It is so smart. Uh, the smartest um, use, cleverest use of a victory point track since, um, what's it, Carcassonne the Castle from... One of the greatest designers of all time, Reiner Knizia. And, you know, that puts Red Cathedral in a very good company. It's so brilliant. And uh, I'm just so sad I was late to the party. Uh, I would have been uh, shouting about it if I had played it last year. But I've, we finally got it in January or February. And it is amazing. I cannot recommend it enough. My number 10 of the year, Red Cathedral. Then we move on to number nine, uh, Praga Kaput Regni, which, if I recall correctly, was my number six when I did this back in... And it's still amazing. It's, um, you know, Vladimir Sushi doing what he does so well. Honestly, if you were to ask my wife, this might make... This would be in the running for her favorite of the year because she loves the central mechanism, which is this spinning wheel that is very akin, kind of similar to the old Zulk in the Mind calendar. And, um, you know, every t on your turn, you're pulling a, a little... Uh, domino 
tile um, off of this thing and then rotating so the other ones get cheaper over time. And actually, somebody pointed out this is kind of like a multi-use rondelle as well because when you take these tiles, you pick one or the other action off them and we're helping to build up prog. Uh, and there is so much opportunity. Oops, I... <laughs> Should have checked my videos I set up in PowerPoint a little bit better. Um, there's so much opportunity for player... Um you know, standing on the shoulders of each other, like I just said for Red Cathedral, because if you build a section in Prague, suddenly everybody wants to build next to you because that's an up-and-coming district. And, uh, you know, there's all... And, and there, there are so many things that you are balancing, so many literal moving parts in this game. Um, you know, and the production is fantastic. Uh, if you would like to watch me literally melt down, Jen and I did a live playthrough of it back in November of last year. And I just... I, I mean, I just thought I was doomed, and yet there was it kind of is surprising how it worked out. But yeah, absolutely love this. This might be Jen's favorite of the year or one of her top three. It's currently sitting at my number nine, Prada put Redney. And then we move on to number eight, Bonfire. It's another big box, super heavy, crunchy Euro from my favorite board game designer of all time, Stefan Feld, and it's great. We are gnomes who are trying to bring light back to the world that has been um, enshrouded in darkness. And what would the elevator pitch for this game be? It would be, I think, what would happen if you played a uh, tile-laying polyomino game where the tiles are workers. Every time you place a tile down, it's like you're activating worker placement spots, but you're also laying those tiles down the way you do in a polyomino puzzly thing because you're trying to get the right tiles in the right space to really effectively use the space. It's brilliant. Like all Steffenfeld games, it just has this core, simple little idea. It's very easy to understand, but from that simple um, action selection mechanism, it explodes in an endless uh, array of opportunities. It also has a really great presentation, a really fun theme, and um, yeah, it's it's. Absolutely phenomenal. And I talked about this one a bit more because it was in my list originally, like Product Book Ragney. I really, I think I, today I need to spend more time on the five new games that made it onto this list. That's right, folks. If you watch me back in December, five of those games have got pushed out. Um, you know, they're, they're probably in the top 20 for the most part. And, uh, and five new ones have come in. So I'm not going to spend too much time on Bonfire other than to say it's fantastic. But of course, all of these are fantastic. I wouldn't be talking about them. My number eight of the month, Bonfire. And we go on to number seven of the month, Cosmic Colonies, a uh, game from Scott Alms, Mr. Tiny Epic. And this could be Tiny Epic Mining uh, on, a, on an astro, asteroid mine or something like that. It's absolutely brilliant. It's another polyomino Tetris tile laying kind of game that's mixed with Seven Wonders-esque card drafting. And... Um, and a card play system that almost kind of reminds me a little bit of Gloomhaven, where you're picking two cards and kind of, you know, uh, you know, playing them for different functions every round. But the most brilliant thing about this game, everything about it is great. The coolest idea in it is, unlike Sushi Go or Seven Wonders, where I've got my ca uh, hand, my card of hands, and I'm going to pick the cards I'm going to play, and then I hand the rest to my neighbor, and the other ones are out. In this game, I've got my hand of cards. The ones I play are the ones I give to my neighbor. So strictly speaking, the best cards in my hand after I play them are the ones I give to you. And then I keep the ones I didn't want. But my opponent to the right is going to hand me their cards. So smart. This is a absolutely brilliant, fun, fast-playing little fusion. Lots of great ideas. My number seven, Cosmic Colonies. 
Then we go on to number six, Merv, Heart of the Silk Road, from a relatively new up-and-comer of uh, Fabio Lapiano. Uh, he made a big splash debut with Cala... I want to say, no, not Calamari, Calamala? Uh, uh, check the chat, folks. I'm sure somebody's correcting me on that. And, um, oh, man. And then he had a second game. Why am I even talking about this? You know what? I talked about all this when I mentioned Merv in my original top 10 back in December. So again, I'm not going to spend too much time. I'm going to say Fabio, Fabio Lapiano is definitely one to watch. And this is a great game about helping to build up the great city of Merv, once the biggest city in the world, I guess, on the Silk Road. And um, the central element is as we build buildings, we're trying to put them in a great spot so that we can um, cr uh, trigger combo chains and activate all my buildings. But if I make a really great combo chain of buildings, you could activate them. I'm like, ah, that was mine. You know, because it's a quasi Rondell slash worker play placement elements of the game. But if you activate my buildings, I might be happy because that gives me huge um, resource income, depending on how I built them. So I might, I, I might be hoping somebody activates my stuff so I get the stuff so I can go somewhere else. Maybe activate your buildings. Again, the um, interplay between players in this game is fantastic. And another thing that really sets it apart, one of the best um, two-player um, automated players I've seen in a long time that actually elevates the gameplay experience. I would rather play Merv as a two-player game than higher player counts because of the way players share control over the third player, kind of like the Free City in Seven Wonders or Leonardo in Fresco. It's a beautiful game. It's super sharp. I have heard some people complain that they're worried that some of the victory point paths are a little bit more powerful and you know, everybody's just got to chase that. I don't think that's the case. Some of them are a bit simpler strategy-wise, but they don't necessarily play out more. It's just the other ones you really have to work hard. But regardless, Jen and I really, really love my number six of the year, Merv, Heart of the Silk Road. Okay, and see, we're about halfway through. Let me just check to make sure everything's okie-dokie. Just, uh, just, all right, yep, uh, that's still up. Facebook still seems to be up. And Twitch still seems to be zipping right along. All right, excellent. Good times. And I should probably just pause all of those now so they're not sucking up my bandwidth. Although, of course, they'd be downloading and they're not using my bandwidth to upload. But regardless, um, right, everything's going fine. We can move on now. Moving on to my number five of the year. If I can get the PowerPoint back up. Let's go, PowerPoint. There we go. Anno 1800. Oh my gosh. This is another new one. I had not played as last year. And that was because uh, it came out last year only in Germany. And I figured, oh, I'll just wait until the English one comes out. Um, although you don't need to. This game is 99.9% .9 language independent. If you've been on the fence about this, supposedly it's coming um, you know, in wider distribution later this year. Uh, somebody actually asked me when I put my run-through up. Um, you know, it sounds really great, Rado, and I'll say why in a second. Should I get it now? Should I get the German version, or should I wait for the English? And my answer, and I still stand by this, you know what? Um, I don't know how long it's going to take for the English version. If it's going to take a couple months to get the English version, but it'll only take you a couple of weeks to get the German version, don't wait. Don't deny yourself. It's fantastic. It's my number five of the year, and what is it? It is the latest big, heavy, um, or kind of medium-to-heavy, 
uh, Euro design from Martin Wallace, one of the uh, uh, the most well-respected modern board game designers there is, with good reason. And it is a remake of a video game, or a, video game, a very popular video game series all about the uh, era of industrialization and colonization called Anno 1800. And there are a lot of really great gameplay um, elements about you know investing in the infrastructure of your country and um, you know doing worker placement stuff to create all kinds of combo chains and whatnot and um, you know expanding your holdings and all of that so you, you can do more and more and more in the world and you know all of the gameplay mechanisms are great. If you want to know about them, go watch my run through. There, it's just beautiful, silky smooth, kind of like Martin Wallace's Brass. The rule book for this game is so short, and yet the gameplay is so deep. Um, there's one very important element of gameplay that I will call out: the beautiful uh, nature of trade between players because it is impossible for you with all the different things you can invest in, all the technologies and all that, to be able to do it all. And so, you have to rely on other players. And as other players invest in sausage works or, um, you know, sale manufacturing, I, I could, you know, waste or burn a lot of resources doing that myself, or I can use one of my trade tokens to um, barter with you. I get the resources I need generated by your factories, your industries, your farmlands, whatever. You get gold. And the beautiful thing about this is, and this kind of dovetails into why I love this game so much, the gold doesn't come for me. I don't have to pay you the gold. I um, I engage in trade with you. I get the resources from you. You get gold from the supply. Because this replicates what is the heart of this game. Um, this is not a high fantasy game, but it is kind of a retelling of history. This uh, imagines a history, and the video game does this as well, where uh, the, the, you know, the dark chapter of European colonialization didn't happen. And instead, European countries realized, you know what? A, um, a rising tide floats all boats. Rather than subjugate and go to war and all of that, we can all benefit if we work together. Your success doesn't hinder my success. You being successful helps me be successful, which is why when you and I engage in trade, I get the stuff I need from you, you literally generate wealth out of nowhere. Because that is a basic truism. Uh, that people working together generate, you know, it is greater than the sum of its part. It's not zero sum. And, you know, zero sum economics, okay, well, somebody else has to suffer for me to succeed, is the heart of so many of our ills in this world. And this game is an, is an ode to a different way that we could be as humans. Because it supports, um, you know, it, 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 it dismisses colonization and exploitation and replaces it with free trade. It celebrates immigration. It celebrates universal basic income in this game. There is a feature that replicates that. Because the interesting thing is, um, in this game, you are not uh, you know, a, a typical noble or industrialist, you're actually the head of government. And it's your job to make sure your people's needs are met. That's how you win. You don't win by building up industry. You don't win by accruing wealth or power or influence. You win by making your people happy, by delivering on their needs. And um, that 
is the true purpose of government. It's why we as a species got together to create government, to, um, you know, make everyone's lives better. And I love that central message here. Um, and it, it just comes through so loud and clear. I've never played the video game, but as I understand it, the video game also does the same kind of stuff as well. And that's, I'm, I'm, absolutely in awe of this. And some people might say, ah, Rado, you're just making that up. You always see theme that's not there. I can confirm. I've talked to developers and they have made clear to me that that was their intention, that they were trying to use this as a work of art, as a way to propose a different path for humanity. Um, and I love it. And I want to see more games do this. Because a great work of art... We always talk about theme in board games. And what we really mean is setting. Theme in a work of art is... What does it say? What is the theme of your work? And the theme of Anno 1800 is... We are stronger together. If we work towards everyone's betterment... Even those that we're in competition with... We will all succeed. And yet somehow it still makes for a really compelling competitive game too. I love everything about this game. It's my number 5 of the year. Anno 1800. Okay, then we go on to number four, Calico, which was my number one. So there's three new things. The last three are going to be all new. This is a great, super crunchy tile laying game with wonderful components. Uh, you could play it as a gateway because it's got kind of like an easy version where there aren't as many objectives, or you can play as a really crunchy gamer geek game with the way Jen and I love it. And it's fantastic. I talked about it at great length in my run-through for it. I talked about it in my previous top 10. I don't think I need to talk about it much now because I think everybody knows about it. It made a lot of people's top 10s because it's so good. And the reason why is because it's so tight. You're making a quilt that lovely little kittens will curl up in a ball and take naps on. You've got objectives, uh, public objectives. Everybody's working on private objectives you're trying to chase. And it's just so constricted. Every move you make to try and pursue some agenda will compromise some different agenda. And so, every step of the way, it's incredibly tense. Just wonderful, wonderful stuff. Um, my number four of the year, Calico. All right. Number three, new stuff, folks, is The Loop. And, folks, I don't know where this came from. In any other year, this could have been my number one. This game is so good. Uh, um, and I'm so sad. I actually had this last year. Uh, you know, the uh, publisher, Ketchup Games, sent it to me. And I looked at it and like, this just seems so funky. It's weird. It's a cooperative game, kind of in the uh, mold of Pandemic, all about chasing the evil Dr. Fu through time because he's trying to rip holes in the space-time continuum to destroy the universe. And we've all got special powers. And on our turn, we can do actions to move around, to fight fires, you know, because he's spreading clones of himself all throughout time, and we've got to stop those because they're very dangerous. They accrue. Um, we've also got to pursue um, objectives because if we don't complete the objectives, we'll never win and we'll run out of time. And again, on the surface, it feels very pandemic y with kind of a really neat randomization gimmick because in the center of the board, there's this little. Uh, Cube tower that you when when he strikes and creates rifts, which are the evil red cubes, you drop them in the cube tower and they kind of spread out quasi randomly, so you can kind of anticipate where they're going to go with a little bit, but you can't ever be certain. So there's always those white, the same kind of white knuckle moments you get in Pandemic, where if Chicago gets hit, oh please, anything but Chicago, not Chicago. Oh, we've got one more round. Okay, we can do this. So the loop has that. But what drives it is not a simple, hey, everybody, you get four action points. Here's the list of actions you can do. Go. Um, you, it's a deck builder. 
It's a cooperative deck builder in a pandemic structure. And um, on your turn, you've got three cards. And these cards, uh, you play them, they are what allow you to do whatever you need to do. Whether it's move from one time era to another, you know, fight the clones, uh, you know, repair the rifts, uh, and do all kinds of stuff. There's, I think the game comes with five. I think it's five characters, and they all play. They have very unique powers. Really, you know, Vortex Girl is all about um, waiting until a Doctor Who strikes and then using the power of his vortexes. And um, oh, what's it? Uh, Mister Time. He's uh, kind of the administrator of our time agency, and he can manipulate the other players when it's his turn. And there's just lots of really cool stuff. But the brilliant thing about this game is I've got my deck, I've got my hand of three cards, and on my turn, I've got to figure out how best to use these three cards. And that would sound really simple. But the thing is, one of the things you can use energy that builds up on the board, the green cubes, is you can do a loop. And that means after I've tapped my cards, I can spend energy to untap them and use them again. But the problem is, each card has a different time signature on it or a different dimension. And so, um, if I've got, say, two spiral dimensions and a star dimension, and I've used them all, I'm going to spend energy to do a loop. I can either do my two spirals or my one star. I can't mix and match. And so that gives you such an interesting targeted uh, deck building element because over the course of the game, you will collect more decks. And so if you're really strong in spirals, you want to make sure you have more spirals in your deck so that when you do a loop and untap your cards, you'll be able to untap two or three of them instead of just one. Although, of course, the most powerful cards don't have a dimension on them. They have a black hole, and they can never be untapped. Um, so you want to grab those because they're so powerful, but you can't reuse them multiple times. The thing about this game is, it's so simple. I've got three cards. Maybe I'm going to activate uh, one or two of them more with a loop. You can do multiple loops. They get progressively more expensive. And then my turn is over. And uh, and then Dr. Fu strikes, and we just have to keep fighting. But the puzzle, the way, the, the amount, the sheer amount of combo-tastic amazingness that comes out of these cards. Because the game comes with a big deck of them. And there's tons of variety. And every time you play, you're going to deck build and get different stuff. The game comes with four different missions that change the way you win. It's amazing. Um, you can expect a run-through for me coming for it next month. I'd hope to get it done before, but I've run out of time. It is fantastic. And like I said, any other year... Oh, um... Basically, like I said, there's a lot of pandemic-inspired games out there, and this is definitely one of them. And you know, Matt Leacock has revisited it with his Forbidden series, and oh, there's uh, you know the the firefighting one, and the 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 ghost pirates on a sinking ship one. I mean, there's dozens of them. I've, I've, I think I've played almost all of them, and usually they're all very good because they borrow from such a great blueprint, the original Pandemic, the loop is head and shoulders above all of them. And um, I think it might be my third favorite. After Pandemic, Forbidden Desert, which is still amazing, that sliding puzzle, I think the loop is my number three. It's so good. And um, and it's actually, the beautiful thing, it's been picked up for wide distribution by Pandasaurus Games. So we will be seeing a new reprint where they've done a few little cosmetic changes and whatnot. Coming very, very soon. And um, I'm very happy about that. And I hope it gets more expansion content because I want to keep playing Loop. Although, I mean, again, it's got enough. I mean, you know, four different mission styles, a bunch of different characters, a huge deck of cards, lots of replayability, colorful, um, funny, really great sense of humor as well. And uh, it's my number three of the year. I cannot stress enough just how amazing it is, the Loop. Okay, let's go on to, if I can push that button, number Okay, the loop just won't go away. Come on. There we go. Number two, Cloud Age. Of course, if there's an Alexander Pfister game that came out in the year, of course it's going to go somewhere on my top ten. 
obviously. And now, I should say, the most important thing to understand about Cloud Age, if you're an Alexander Pfister fan and you're expecting another Maracaibo or another Blackout Hong Kong or another Great Western Trail, he's known for these really big, sprawling, um, complex, super rich Euro simulations. This is decidedly lighter. This game is more along the lines of some of his earlier stuff like Witch's Brew. Or, I think that's right. Is it Witch's Brew? Or Isle of Sky. And that's not to say there isn't a lot of really interesting decision-making in the game, but just don't go in. I mean, I've seen some people disappointed because they thought, wow, this is going to be another Great Western Trail, but set in a post-apocalypse world where we're traveling the land in dirigibles that we can upgrade over time so we can fight raiders and save people and um, and uh, level up and score points and all of that. Um, you know, I just described the setting of the game, but like I said, it's much, much lighter, but still... Interesting, deep, compelling decisions as you are very carefully trying to manage and maintain your dirigible um, in the cloud age because you, you, you travel the clouds. And um, yeah, the upgrades you focus on, all that stuff is great. But what truly makes this game special is when you eventually sail to a city that you're going to come in and try to save or just interact with the people of that city. The cities are all represented by these cards that are in transparent sleeves. The game comes with these sleeves that have cloud covering up the majority of the city. So when you come in and you're trying to get some mechanical work done or you want to get some more resources or you just want some water, the most important resource in this post-apocalypse future, of course, is water, um, you don't know for certain because you flew in above the clouds. And you could take a look at the city and you think, well, it looks like there's a big lake there, maybe, but I can't tell if it's a big lake because it's, it's partially covered by clouds. You have to decide before you land, what are you going to engage in trade? And everybody else gets to, too. Did I mention, this is a worker placement game where once somebody picks an action, everybody else gets to do a weaker action. So if you pick the action to go and land somewhere, you get first dibs on the regions and then everybody else could potentially follow along too. But you have to pick with imperfect information because the clouds literally obscure what you're going for. And it's beautiful. It's brilliant. It's fun. It's simple. It's thematic. It's cinematic. And it's it's a lot of fun. And now on top of that, um, this game also features, if you like that kind of thing, and you know I love it, a narrative campaign you can play through over multiple chapters. Um, you know, they kind of tell the stories of the, of the early days of this catastrophe. And as we fight not only to save the cities, but bring green back to the world. That's what my wife loved about it. That a big element of the game, after you've made it through the first couple chapters, is literally bringing green greenery back. And it's awesome. It's got a wonderful central message. But um, I will admit, this probably would have been more around the six or seven range. But I really, really enjoyed the narrative campaign where you meet characters who have missions, you do missions for them, and then they become cards that you can draft later on to give you more powers. He's done this in other games. He's got it down to a science now where the simple light story informs the way the world evolves from chapter to chapter. And as you unlock things, because of things you did in the story, they become assets for you to use later. It's just wonderful. It so elevates the game. I want to see the Alexander Pfister narrative campaign formula applied to every game on this list. But it's only on this one. Um, oh, that's not true. 
Anno 1800 uh, is working on a solo thing that does bring a solo narrative campaign that does kind of the same stuff. That's what I demoed because uh, I got an advanced uh, sneak peek at the solo mode, uh, which is excellent, by the way. The solo mode for Cloud Age is excellent, too. Cloud Age is fantastic. I continue to be in love with Fister. It's not my favorite Fister, but, you know, um, yeah, I've not ever played a bad Fister game, and this one is just delightful. That is my number two Cloud Age. And now, before we get to number one, I'm going to come back over here and make sure everybody's still happy. It looks like things are going on. You're all talking amongst yourselves. Um, let's see here. Ooh, look at this. I just jumped over and I notice it looks like there's some spam on Twitch. I guess I've arrived, folks, if I'm big enough to warrant spam. Oh dear. Let's see here. I need to do something about that, don't I? I ultimately need to get some moderation help to watch that. But want to become famous by followers, primes, and viewers? It, no, I don't want that. You, um, I believe, is Linda Cop 57 Oh, wait, okay. All right, all right. so... Right, um, right. So what can I do? I, I don't want to reply to that. Can I right-click on it? How do I moderate stuff? I really don't know. Do I click on that? Yes. I whisper. I add friend. I block. Okay. Yeah. So before I do that, folks, Twitch folks, because I see there's 24 of you here. Welcome. Thanks for showing up. I'm new to Twitch. Um, if somebody could let me know, yep, okay, Kitty says, yep, get rid of the spam. Sorry, I haven't gotten rid of it before. I'm still new on Twitch. I'm still learning. And unfortunately, that's, that Twitch spam got spammed everywhere. But, um, right, so we are going to block. All right, and I have blocked. All right, and that's that, right? Easy peasy. Did they, right, I still see one. Did that just, do I have to block multiples? I will try to report a spammer. Right, the username is inappropriate, threats, harm, hate speech, evading, block, ban, spam. I would say that's spam. Yeah, spamming, saying, come and look at my stuff. Alrighty, so, I, and I imagine it probably is a bot, yeah. So, uh, so I, I, sorry, I'm live now. <laughs> they want me to actually do a report. I guess I'm supposed to do that afterwards. Like I said, I'm still new here. We'll get to my number one in a second, folks. Alrighty, close. Uh, a very, very, very much apologize for that, folks. I think um, uh, we are good to go. Twitch spam on YouTube. Yep, yeah. Uh, yeah it's, it's amazing, Lucas. Um, I'm truly bringing platforms together through the power of spam. Isn't that great? All righty. Um, yeah, so... Okay, okay, so that's cool. I, it looks like I don't see any other spammers. And uh, yeah, uh, you know, very, very, very sorry, uh, Corthane, or Corthane. Um, thank you for your support. And I think I've delayed long enough. Would you like to know what my number one is? It is uh, a return to greatness from another one of my favorite designers of all time, Hollertau. And actually, that's a bit of a loaded statement. Return to greatness. Plenty of people say, what? Uwe Rosenberg didn't go anywhere. He's been producing amazing stuff for years. And I can't deny that. But Hollertau, oh my gosh, it is so amazing. As far as I'm concerned, I, I have played almost all of Uwe's big box games. I think there's one I haven't played. No, no, I have. I played all of his games. There's one that was kind of part of his series. But anyway, that's not even there. I played them all. And this is his second best only to Agricola. Yes. It is better than Feast for Odin. Yes, including the Norwegians expansion, even. Hollertau is so amazing. It does so much good stuff. And, um, this, you know, it's a worker placement game. 
It's a farming simulation. You know, it's it's Uwe Rosenberg's bread and butter. It's amazing to see how he keeps on finding new ways to um, you know revisit this topic. But the the there's a, and there's a lot of cool things in this game. I love the way player scaling works. Maybe the best player scaling I have ever seen. So that you don't feel like you're compromised and not getting as much out of a two player game as you would have a four player game. Even the solo game works fantastically, which is what I demoed when I filmed it. Um, so the player scaling is amazing. The worker placement is compelling because there's a bunch available, but it's as soon as somebody goes there, I can still go there, but now I have to pay two workers. And then, if somebody else wants to go there, if I want to go there again, then you got to pay three workers. And then, okay, three people have used it, now we can't use it until it clears out. But it takes a while before those... They don't just all clear off at the end of the round. It takes a while for them to refresh. So they stay expensive for a while, and you've really got a plan. But that's just the worker placement. The worker placement is better than average. It is a class above. It is better than Agricola's worker placement. Very good, very solid. But that's not what makes this game so amazingly special. Um, in Agricola, you start out the game with a gigantic handful of cards, and they've created a strategy for you. You Okay, by the end of the game, i got to get this card played. At the beginning of the game, i got to get these two played as fast as I can. And this is one I'll probably try to save until the end. If things work out, we'll see. And Jen, I've always loved Agricola because we feel like we plan an entire two-hour game as we sit there for ten minutes, figuring out how we're going to leverage these cards. This game throws tons of cards at you. In an average game, you might get 10, 15, maybe even 20 cards. Um, And the thing is, these cards give you all kinds of objectives, but they're kind of micro-objectives. Unlike most games, Euro-style games, Uwe Rosenberg games, where, oh, because I've got this card, I want to make sure I get this done before the end of the game. In this game, and and you get a few of those, right? In this game, you get tons of them. They're just constantly pouring in. And um, they are quick, simple, little, easy things you can do that you can activate at any time. Not just during your main turn, not even, you know, during cleanup, even on another player's turn. And Victory in this game comes from being able to manage those cards, to be able to create interesting and compelling, um, you know, cause and effect chains, uh, you know, that just uh, explode. And so you'll be holding a card for a while, and you're okay. I just got to get one more um, fallow bit of ground so I can play this because that'll trigger that, which will do that, which will do that, which will do that. Oh, and by the way, when I do that, it'll draw another card, and when I do that, it'll draw another card. And so you start doing that chain that you've been saving up for a while. (gasps) Oh my god, I just drew this card. This totally changes the way I want to do this chain. Should I continue with my original chain or go in a different direction? This concept, I don't know what else to call it besides micro um, objectives, where it's just about dozens of them. And you're constantly finding interesting and compelling ways that they can interact and interlock with each other. And it's so fun. It's so compelling. It feels so good when you find interesting ways. And um, and I love it. Uh, you know, it's it's interesting. Early Uwe Rosenberg big box games tended to be really tight and constricting, and Jen, I love it. His more recent ones tend to be kind of more wide open and laissez-faire, and don't worry, you can just do whatever you want. Just have fun. Explore the space. I mean, Caverna is a great example of that. This is probably the best example of it. This is kind of a mix of the two, because the worker placement is pretty chillaxed. It's pretty forgiving. You create the tension yourself, because I've got all these cards. I've got to figure out how to use them, because there's there's a way, there's a perfect way to get the most use out of it. Although, um, you have to spend an equal amount of time to investing in um, your, uh, your village's infrastructure, so that you can get more and more workers, because actions get more and more expensive as the game goes on. So if you're only focusing on those cards, you're really not focusing on your worker placement game, and you might fall behind behind there. And that's an interesting tension, pull, pull and uh, push and pull between the two. And 
It is brilliant. The game comes with a ginormous stack of cards. Every time you play, you're going to get a different combinations. Um, you know, they actually come in different sets, and you're supposed to choose a different grouping of sets, so you get different interesting combinations and all that. Oh man! And if all that weren't enough. I mean, it does a lot of other really interesting things, too. I really love the uh, way, because we're farmers, we can, um, you know, what's it called? When you when you let your fields alone for a while? Um, rotating crops, yeah. I think that's what it is. Where uh, if, you, if you stop planting and let the land recover, it will be more bountiful for you. And so you have these long-term versus short-term uh, choices to make. It's just fantastic. It's Uwe at his best. It might be his best game, quite frankly, but it can't be Agricola for me because Agricola has such strong, um, what do you call it, uh, nostalgia for me and Jenna. It's one of our first games we ever played. It's what really helps cement us our love for modern Euro games. It's so good. I have seen some people complain that the cards, because when you get them, you do draw them blind. And some people complain that, oh, the game is all luck. You either get, you get lucky with the cards you draw or not. Uh, Jen and I, we've played it a half a dozen times now. We have not found that to be the case. What we have found is there are good times and bad times. Because there's different types of cards. There's ones that if you complete them, they will give you income for the rest of the game. There's ones where they're just really simple. Hey, do, get a couple little things and you can convert it into another thing. And there's big ones that give you a huge goal. That is very hard work, but it'll give you a lot of points. And um, it's not a good idea to get one of those cards near the end of the game. Because it probably won't work. But it's true. You, it might work. You might get incredibly lucky and you oh, okay, I guess I'll just draw one of these because i got nothing else I can do. But honestly, if you're in that situation, and then you win because, oh, I got incredibly lucky and I got a 1 in 10 chance of getting a winning card. If you're in that situation, you haven't played very well, quite frankly. And Jen and I, we play really hard. We don't take unnecessary risks like that. We get those cards in the early game. We uh, save our bonus cards for the end of the game and focus on those. But even still, I have been imp uh, so impressed by, I might get a card like, okay, this goes completely counter to everything I'm doing. I'm really focusing on dairy. I'm really focusing on barley or whatever. I'm really focusing on tools. And um, and this, I'm not going to have time for this. And yet somehow by the end of the game, I found a way to use this too. It's so good. So satisfying. Just talking about it now makes me want to play it. It is my number one. See, I told you, MeWe, if you're still here, you were going to be happy. My number one of the year, Uwe Rosenberg, the best he's ever been with Hollertau. Holler for Holler Tau, and that is it, folks. Phew! Okay. So, uh, how how you doing? Just watched the uh, Friends reunion last night on HBO Max. Oh my gosh, that was so good. Jen and I were crying quite a bit. Um, obviously, getting nostalgic for our 20s because we were at the exact same age uh, growing up and watching that live. Remember watching TV live on Thursday nights and having to wait through commercials? Oh, that's crazy. Anyway, though, um, let's go on ahead and get rid of the 2020, and let's bring um, the chat up. And thank you, Fubar, um, for following. And thank you for everybody else who has followed along the way. I was too busy focusing on my stuff, so I will have to wait until later to uh, go watch this video at 10x speed so I can see. And I just watched a nice little... It's, it's just it's very satisfying. But anyway, we are now... I've scrolled up to the top. We're not... It looks like uh, not everything. It looks like 10 minutes in. Oh, yeah. Okay, I got to get going. All right. So I'm just going to start looking for stuff. I'm mostly going to look for questions or uh, interesting comments or whatnot. And um, let's see. Michael Weiser convinced somebody to always listen to the MeWe. He knows what he's talking about. Okay, oh, everybody, I'm glad everybody recognized you had a minor board game celebrity. Miwi, one of the original YouTube board gamers, one of the best. Um, he's, he started getting back into it a little recently. Miwi, we always want you. All righty. 
So there's some chitty and some chatty after watching this on Facebook during holidays in Turkey. Well, happy whatever holiday it is. Thank you, um, Arsenji, for uh, showing up and for confirming that the Facebook comments work. Yay! That is nice. Um, let's see here. Uh, 200, uh, YouTube. 219 at that point. Oh, actually, that's, hold on a second. What are my viewing numbers? I still don't know my way around all this stuff, so I will just literally look. Oh, 300 people watching on Facebook. I have no idea. I don't think YouTube or Facebook, or not Facebook, YouTube. Facebook doesn't tell me. And on Twitch, I've got 20 or so folks. I'm coming for you, Twitch. I'm working my way up. Okay, working my way up to you, babe. All right, has done a run-through. For, yes, um, Jay Young, my run-through for Product Book Read Me. If you just do a Google search for Rado Product Book Read Me, you'll find it. It was a live playthrough that Jen and I did. So it's actually not called Rado Run-Through Product. It's like uh, Rado Live Product Book Read Me or something like that. But a Google search will find it for you. Um, and it's me and Jen playing all the way through a game and me literally just breaking down on camera uh, because I thought things were going terribly wrong. Uh, thank you, uh, Ragusa and Kalimala. Oh, man. That was like a half an hour ago. I gotta pick it up. Okay, Rado's gonna cost me more money. Uh, I apologize, agent. You don't have to get them all. It's it's okay. Just uh, all right. Agree. Thank you, James from South Africa. Uh, very happy that Merv is getting a German print run. I'm very happy about that as well. I wonder if it it probably won't get a Kennerspiel. I think it's a bit too heavy for Kennerspiel, but it's great. All right, what was number seven? I don't remember. But hey, you know what I can do? I can actually. Uh, go to slide number seven, and uh, D D D. Number seven was Cosmic Colonies. Uh, I'm sure uh, Miwi somebody told you that at some point. All right. Uh, thank you, board game trucker. Right back at you. All right. So yeah, congratulations. I received a hundred messages today with restream chat. I do not know how I feel about all this uh, um, gamification of streaming, but alrighty. Hi, Candy from France. Miwi. Oh man, you were running the show. On um, YouTube. Good to see you. Alrighty. And... Da, 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 da. Right. This will take me forever if I actually try to read all these things. Normally, I just try to look for question marks to answer questions. Because um, I'm a slow reader. Uh, you're like, a donut... Account. Uh, thank you, uh, Kate. Or, uh, thank you, Izzy, for the suggestion. That sounds like something I should check out. Donut economics. If, in fact, it kind of hues with my view of economics. Alrighty, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Calico Tom is amazing. I kind of felt bad, I, I, but um, I, you know, Jen and I do tend towards the bigger, heavier, more bombastic, sprawly games. It's just our. It's not that Calico is bad at all, and I still stand by what I said when I did this. You know, 2020 was an amazing year for insanely good, just tight little package games that pack a big punch, and Calico was the premier example of that. Alrighty, hi Stacy. All right. Okay, so we're not too far in the past. I mean, we're at number three. Um, ba -ba. And, oh, hello, hello, Panda. Amanda Panda. Rodney on Twitch right now. Oh, no! I'm competing with Rodney. That was a bad call. I'm sure he's pulling all of you away. Stay with me! Um, or not. It's fine. He's a wonderful Canadian. I, I, I can't blame anybody for jumping ship to see what uh, he's up to. Except he's probably playing some, um, you know, coin game. Nobody wants to watch that. Rodney, why are you doing that? I'm sure there's a lot of people who want to watch it. I, I, I kid, I kid, I kid. All righty. Um, let's see here. The Cube Tower. Yep, that's really that. Yeah. The Cube Tower in the Loop is what made Jen fall in love with it. I fell in love with it because of the uh, incredible card combo play. She, and, and she loves that too. But and, and so much interplay between players too. Just an amazing game. Uh, all right. And let's see. 
Thanks for uh, putting a light on the loop. Yes, uh, I, I imagine uh, as it goes wider, more and more people will be singing its praise. It just got a really small little European print run last year, and I'm just kicking myself. It's been on my shelf for six months, and it's just, I don't know, I just never got around to it. Uh, and I feel bad, because it's amazing. As chaotic scientists will agree. Okay. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Let's see. I need to make sure you guys... All right, because I'm, I'm not looking at... All right, I'll go back to Twitch. Yep, yep. Okay, okay, okay. Everything's still fine. Everything's still fine. Everything's still fine. All right. Still just a little nervous about everything because I'm way in the past now and you could all be telling me it's all exploding. All righty. Uh, so, uh, definitely. <clears throat> right, Maracaibo. Yep, Maracaibo is still it, it, Maracaibo is still my number one um, uh, fister, and I cannot wait for the expansion, which I think is coming this year. Brass Birmingham is uh, the reprint of the original Brass. No, Brass Lancashire is the reprint of the original Brass, with only tiny, tiny minor tweaks. Brass Birmingham is kind of like a Brass 2.0, which adds you know like new features and stuff like that. Oh, and uh, somebody already beat me to it. Why? I'm, of course, I'm so in the past. Anyway, I'm sure. All righty. And there, oh, there's the followers. Um, sorry about the spam. Oh, can I still delete these? Out? Oh, well, I guess they'll live there now. But hope they'll never be back, hopefully. All righty. Uh, <laughs> yeah, spam is the Twitch feature. Sorry again. I, I will get the hang of this. I mean, I, I've seen it every once in a while pop up on YouTube, but um, I guess it's it's just much more prominent on spam. Alrighty. Oh, it looks like they didn't stick around very long, and I got them pretty quick. So that was just dumb luck that I happened to stumble across that. I will definitely need some moderation help in the future. Because my intent is to, um, at the very least, uh, next week, folks, I will be back, once again, streaming live on all three platforms, Twitch, Facebook, and YouTube, to do my monthly roundup, where I talk about all the games Jen and I played over the preceding four weeks. I'll be doing that on the first of the month, live, on all three platforms. So, um... Uh, mods can bop. Oh, so I can actually get some kind of automated thing that will detect it? I need to look into that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Watch me learn to swim, uh, Celia. Alrighty. Everybody's having a good old time. Hollertile is awesome. You are correct, Alan Brown. And Castles of Tuscany did fall out. Castles of Tuscany actually fell quite a ways because I... I I don't know what Robinsberger is doing. Is it Robinsberger? Yeah, it's Robinsberger. Where, okay, they've got an amazing Steffenfeld design. It's so good. It's my top 10 of the year. And then they put it out there. Some people complain about stuff. And they say, oh, okay, sorry. We'll change it. We'll change it. Yeah, even though this is what Steffenfeld wanted. And it's better the way it is. We'll change it. And then a second edition comes out. The first edition will never be seen again. And they made a significant change to the game. Um, which was so significant, Steffenfeld himself actually briefly went on Twitter to say, you don't need to make this change if you don't want to. But my um, rating of Tuscany fell a long ways because they made the design weaker by basically turning it into a Monty Hall, by allowing players to get literally 30% more resources so that you're just getting cards much quicker. It weakens some things. It strengthens other things. It just throws the whole thing out of whack. Jen and I tried it, and Jen said, oh, right, okay, I'm just going to do nothing but draw cards then because... 
Uh, you know, just, oh, I don't know why they did that. Um, because a few people complained that, oh, we're new. You know, no, I'm, I'm, it's not fair. It's, it's not fair. I'll just let it go. But yes, Tuscany fell, 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 fell. Because I rate my games based on the official rules. There's a much better way you can play, but it's no longer the official way to play. And so basically on the, it basically fell to right around the same area where Carpe Diem is. Um, ba 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 ba. Alrighty. Haven't played Agricola, James, for shame. There is no shame. There are too many games. Don't feel too bad about it. Although, as I recall, there's a really good digital implementation of Agricola with like cute little animated farm animals and stuff like that. I want to check that out. Uh, if you like that sort of thing. Alright. KK, is Kabuki Kid here somewhere? I haven't been looking at names. Hey, Kabuki, if you're here. Consider Cloud Age uh, number one for me because. Well, fair enough. Fair enough. Like I said. Strictly speaking, Cloud Age, just based on the gameplay alone, would have been like the five or six. It's the it's the narrative that pushed it up for me. So, um, Felicitas, you could then consider the loop to be my number one if you're ignoring Hollertau. Um unless you really, really love narrative campaign stuff, like I do. Okay, br- worked into a Euro game, like apparently only Alexander Fister can do. Um, uh, understandable, not ready for another, uh, big box Uve. Yeah, and, you know, the Feast has games for days. Nusfjord is great. Nusfjord was the, uh, that was the Norwegian fishing village one, right? Um, that one, I was bothered by the random twist of luck of the cards. I liked it a lot, but, um, and it would have been easy to fix by just saying, hey, let's just make sure all the cards are known right from the get-go, so there's no guesswork. But, yeah, that was, uh, that was my problem with that one, if I, if I'm thinking of the right one. Alrighty. I, yes, I did give Fam an 11 because I couldn't not call out Fam. It's I totally cheated. I gave you a top 11 today. Um, which, speaking of which, by the way, I assume we'll eventually get some questions. If you guys have questions about specific games, obviously we're still. Um, all right. Hello, friend. Hey, James. Phil. All right. Hello, No, actually, I'm doing pretty good. I'm about halfway through the. So I, I guess I can. Sorry, sorry. Why do you like Twitch more? I'm curious, Sorrow. Perhaps you'll say. Fallow Fields. Thank you. I'm not a farmer. Um, although I recently subscribed on YouTube to a really great farmer channel where he just does daily 60 second videos and he just walks us through all the stuff he has to do as an American farmer. And it's amazing. You have to pretty much be an engineer to, um, you know, and a mechanic and everything else. It's, uh, I, I actually love it. Um, and it makes me appreciate all the Euro farming sims we play. Okay. I do love this restream chat. It's it's amazing. I love this idea. It's a little clunky that people have to see. Restream bot says, Twitch person says, but it's so cool. They just need to take out the big restream bot thing. But of course, it's advertising for them because this service is totally free. It's amazing. I'm on three platforms doing cross-platform um, chat and it's not costing me a dime. Uh, so there's my uh, there's my endorsement for restream.io. Okay. So Sam, no, really. Yep, I, I will have to look into these mods. I mean, I saw, there's just so, I mean, Twitch is overwhelming, the amount of stuff. And it's just so foreign. I'm so used to YouTube. Alrighty. Yep, I am trying to be hip to the kids, uh, Johnson Navin. Um, but I, I think my age, I, I, I yeah. Um, you won't find me in a hot tub, though, doing squats or anything like that. Don't worry, folks. That is my solemn promise. It'll just be about games whenever I'm on Twitch. I promise. Okay, uh, da, da, da. I don't know what yeeted means. I assume that's nerfed or something. Moderation mods are easier on Twitch, uh, personally. Yeah, the nice thing is, I, I've, I've been doing live streaming on YouTube long enough that there are some folks who I have who show up enough and, and I, I've marked them as moderators, so I think they catch the bad stuff. I just, I don't really have a following on Twitch yet, so I need to look into those automated options. 
yeah, I think I feel like we have. Like, like me, we did cover Holler Tow, Jay. I, I I feel like that's one of the ones he recently did because he's like he's been doing like one every two or three months, I think, because life gets in the way. Um, yeah. Oh man, yes. I in the seventies, we did not have one of those remotes that was literally a cable that reached all the way to the back of the TV. Um, yeah, the remote control was me and my brother. It was our job to change the channel. Alrighty. How does the crew rank? I do not consider the crew to be a 2020 game because it came out in 2019. I think the crew is fantastic. It did not make my top 10 of 2019 either. Um, we really like it a lot though. It's totally a keeper. It's just, it's very difficult for us because we're not really trick takers. It's such a different way to think. We keep it. We like it because it forces us out of our comfort zone to think differently. But yeah, it's, it it just wasn't necessarily our favorite. Uh, but it was still very, very good. Okay. Uh, what were the games that fell off? All right, Felicitas, let's, uh, let's come back over here because this will be a good opportunity as any to jump over where, okay, what? I'm in the wrong program. I've got so many programs running now. I need to come over to the browser and Hey, this is rank.rado.com. Anybody can come here. This is all my games in my collection, 464 and, um, you know, sorted by rank, my highest ranked game of all time, pandemic, my number two, shadow and crossfire, my number three, gloomhaven, my number four, Agricola. And if you just do a little search for 2020 parenthesis, hey, there's Hallatower at number one. Although, um, you know, Oh, I, another shout out, another honorable mention. I think my true number one of the year of 2020 is actually Project Elite. But I consider, you know, the, the reprint that came from Cool Mini or not, but I consider Project Elite to be a 2016 game. So I didn't include it on the list. Uh, the same way I didn't include Pandemic Season Zero on the list because it's an offshoot of Pandemic. And I always want my list, my games of the year, to be a list of new things, different things, instead of retreads or reimplementations of stuff I've talked about in the past. So that's why Project Elite. But it's Project Elite, the Seed Mini, Cool Mini or Not, is so amazing. Loop number three, Calico 4, Anno 5, Merv, uh, Cosmic, Bonfire, Praga, Red Cathedral, Fam was my number 11. Number 12, Pandoria Merchants. I talked about it. It just missed it. Uh, amazing roll and write. One of the heaviest roll and writes on the industry. Whistle Mountain. Got a lot of attention. Got a lot of buzz. Deservedly so. Four Gardens. Another, like Calico, a brilliant, simple, tight little game with incredible vice-like constrictions that just makes it a wonderful puzzle. Lost Rooms of Arnak. That is a lot of people's number one of the year. And didn't they just announce a expansion yesterday? I think they did. Or recently. Uh, Glasgow, another... This is like... Uh, like a, this is almost like Glenmore Express, uh, but it does a lot of really cool, interesting, innovative stuff. Um, and Trois Dice, uh, a great roll and write, uh, you know, really captures not the gameplay of Trois, but the spirit of Trois. And uh, and the coolest thing about Trois was after it came out, the designers put out a series of like ten or fifteen variants you could play, and they posted their own high scores. Really great, above and beyond. Raiders of Scythia, which is a remake of Raiders of the North Sea, is my number 18. Number 19, Truffle Shuffle. Another brilliant, simple, tight, little compact game um, of, uh, of drafting cards in a pyramid scheme, kind of like Seven Wonders Duel. Brilliant. Uh, my City, which could have made it in the top 10 if Reiner Knizia had spent a little bit more time on the Eternal game. Because it's a legacy game, and the legacy game is fantastic. One of the best legacy experiences ever. Uh, you know, Legacy Sim City, basically. Brilliant. Uh, but you, you can keep playing the game afterwards, but almost all the cool stuff that got unlocked during the campaign gets literally thrown away. And you, I mean, and I don't want to spoil any of the stuff, but it's a real shame. So a missed opportunity. Um, so I basically rated this on how good it is as a standalone game. Once you finish the campaign and you had an amazing rush, 
would you still want to play it? It's still a good, it's a good polyomotylane game, but it's an amazing legacy game, but the legacy doesn't last forever. Um, Rush MD, a real-time hospital simulation, a remake, which is basically a revamp 2.0 of Kitchen Rush, which is great. Castles of Tuscany, here's where it fell, right next to Carpe Diem, um, and uh, right next to Tuan Tinsuyu, which I'll probably be doing a run-through tomorrow, so you'll be seeing a run-through for that within a week or so. Uh, I might be Dave Turchy's best game. Actually, I guess not, right? Is Kitchen, is Rush MD a David Turchy game? Or did he, I mean, he did Kitchen Rush. How was, was he involved? Or did Artipia really take over Rush MD? Anyway, Tuan Tinsuyu is fantastic. One of Dave Turchy's best. Um, if not his best. Uh, Santa Monica, uh, Takenu, Pendulum, Viscounts of the West Kingdom, um, Athenium, Bees, a really cool little abstract game with the most adorable bee, uh, Meeple, and Sagani rounds up my top 30. Okay, so that was a little bit. Let's come back and see uh, where we are in chat. So there were those were the games that fell off. Okay, and there's some other stuff as well. Did I play Dune Imperium? Dune Imperium is fantastic. If Jen and I liked Punchy Kicky, um, you know, all the combat stuff, it would have been in my top 10, probably my top three or four, easily within my top five of the year. But it's just not a game for me and Jen. But the game, design of that game is so brilliant. What was the first game I bought that hooked me and Jen into the hobby? Do we still own it? Yes. It's literally right there, right off camera. And if you want to know what it is, do a Google search for Rotto First 10 Games. That will take you to a top 10 I did where I talked about basically the first year of our lives as we discovered and worked our way into trying to be knowledgeable modern board gamers. Spoiler alert, it was pandemic. All righty. What do you use to do the stream? I've mentioned it by now, James. It's Restream.io. All right, first time catching a live stream. Hi, Ralph. Welcome to the party, pal. Tawan Sensuyu, Humberto, I just mentioned. It's great. So great. I'm looking forward to filming it. Because uh, I have not tried the solo mode. I hear it's got a really complex solo mode. Dave does tend to make his solo bots a little bit maybe more complicated than he needs to. I mean, you know, uh, people often, you know, I, I've seen people compare Dave Turchi, uh, Automa versus uh, Morton, Automa Factory. Uh, Automas. I, I tend to prefer uh, Morton's more because they're a little bit more streamlined, but you know, Dave does a great job too. Alright, you would put Cloud Agent Anno at 1 and 2. I, I wouldn't begrudge you that at all. They're both amazing games. Amazing games. Alright. Well, oh, they were all, all 11 amazing. It was such an amazing time to be a board game fan. Oh man, we were all so lucky. Like to see Rado's top 10 for gaming, just like the Dice Tower. You would like to see Rado's top 10 years. That is a good topic. I probably should do that sometime, um, but I don't know. I don't want to do it right now. I'd be copying them. Maybe I'll do that as a ramble at some point. Because, yeah, that is uh, that is a fun thought exercise. It really, really is. Uh, I found... Alrighty. Oh, you missed number two. Have to go watch from the beginning. Uh, hopefully, I, I put on a good show for you, Sorrow. Like the new shirt. Yes, uh, folks. Um... Uh, this is a uh, suicide prevention hotline. Uh, they do amazing work. And if you're in a spot in your life where you need a little bit of help, do not hesitate for a second to um, you know 1-800-273-TALK. And there will be somebody night or day there to talk to you and, and help you through. Um, oh, speaking of that, uh, by the way, if you're on YouTube right now, uh, there is, I don't know if anybody has noticed, I'm doing a little bit of fundraising for an amazing charity. Uh, in case you were thinking of doing some super chats, rather than throwing the money my way, if you wouldn't mind hitting that donate button, that would be amazing. No pressure, though. Alrighty. Um, let's see. What are my thoughts on the, the SJW nominees? What are my thoughts on the SJW nominees? What were they? 
They were, I don't remember. But that's a good question. That's a good question. Let's go on ahead and look that up. Alrighty, 2021 SDJ nominees. Nah, Spiel des Jahres nominations. All right, here we go. And, um, wow, okay. I was a, that was a typo. All right, let's do Spiel des Jahres. SP, that got me a bunch of weird stuff. Spiel des Jahres nominees. There we go. 2021 nominees are... Uh, here are the lists according to dicebreaker.com. I accept your cookies. I accept all the cookies. Can we please stop asking me about the cookies? Does anybody ever not accept the cookies? Um, <laughs> all right. Right. The Adventures of Robin Hood. I am so excited about that because I love Andor. And here's my assumption. I bet, like Andor, this is a big sprawling game, but it comes with a really great ahead of its time tutorial system that like spoon feeds you into it that's why andor got the nod all those years ago so i've been really excited about that uh, i just didn't pick up the german one because there's too much text micro macro looks brilliant and uh you know it's it's basically where's waldo meets sherlock holmes consulting detective and that's a really cool uh system i i decided not to cover it one because it would be it'd be super spoilerific and two it'd be kind of hard to do having a gigantic poster and zooming in and stuff like that and zombie teens I literally know nothing about. Which makes me wonder, is it a three-player minimum game? Because why have I completely ignored it? Uh, um, so, that's my thoughts. Not much. Not much thoughts. Uh, where's the Kenners? This article only has the spiels. Where's the Kenners? Uh, right. Recommended for four more games, including... Jaws of the Line got recommended... Oh, wait. Oh, whoop. All right. Okay. The year's Kenner Shields shortlist was Fantasy Realms, which uh, some people are really shocked by. I think it makes perfect sense, considering that for the Spiel des Jahres, these are supposed to be games that any family with no experience in board gaming could pick up and play with no help. That's the point. People don't understand just how light the Spiel des Jahres is. And then the Kenner Spiel is just like, okay, after that same family has played a handful of games, now they can go on ahead and take like a Gateway Plus. And Fantasy Realms, that's a great suggestion for that. Um, Lost Ruins of Arnak, I would say the same. And Paleo, again the same. Paleo, my only... Pro I thought that was a brilliant little game. Just I wasn't happy with how they did two-player. Um, right. Okay. So, I think we have covered this spiely stuff. Uh, welcome to Twitch. Yes, I, uh, all the gamification. I, I think I plan to ignore most of that. How how you doing, Lucas? Alrighty. Uh, um, right. Uh, Rado. I'm guessing Uwe has climbed... A that is a good point. He may very well have. He had kind of fallen a bit. Um... Oh, uh, well, James, you asked about Lost Ruins. I already did that. It was somewhere in the uh, high teens, low 20s, I guess. Hello, Argentina. All right. Good choices, Darren. All right. I do need to speed up here. All right. Coin games are awesome. Yes, I. they're not for me, but well, maybe someday I'll try one. I did try Root. That's kind of sort of a little bit, but not really. Isle Cats making it in my first run. Of, yes. Isle Cats was definitely in my top 10 for 2019 because... Or was it 2018? It was so weird. I mean, that game came out, I think, in like three shops in Asia and one in Australia on the last week of the year. And so um, Frank West, the designer, said, nope, I consider this to be a whatever it was, either 2019 or 2018 game. So I ranked it in that year, even though for the rest of the world, including Kickstarter backers, it didn't show up until the following year. I actually literally reached out to him and said, buddy, please change the year on this. But he's, nope, he's a stickler. And I respect that because I'm a bit of a stickler myself. Alrighty, uh, alright, a Robin Hood coin game. That's super intriguing. Super intriguing. Alrighty, 
uh, as a gateway into coin. Wow. When is Paulo doing a final thoughts together with Richard? That's a good question. Paulo has done a few videos. I think you can. I think I made a playlist for it at one time. Play or Paulo.rado.com. Is that true? Did I do that? Let's find out. Paulo.rado.com. Um, oops. Nope. That's the wrong thing. I needed to make a new tab and then do. I think I did. Anyway, it's out there. He did a bunch of run-throughs of inserts because he really went on an insert kick for quite a while. Um, he loves his inserts. Yeah, maybe I should... I, that's not a bad idea. I probably should do something with him. Because uh, he's smart. He knows games better than me. I mean, you got it. I mean, you goof-check me as well as he does. He's a genius. He's a board game genius. All right. Do I wash my hands before playing board games and do I care if Jen or others do? Um, well, it's just me and Jen. So I don't ask Jen where her hands have been. Uh, so it's not really a problem, but I tend not to worry about it because COVID is not a surface transmission. Even that's what they thought at first. It's pretty been widely debunked. It's not surface. It's all about aerosolized stuff. So I don't think I'd be worried too much about it if I were playing a game IRL with other folksy folks. Hey, Kabuki. Um, right. Oh, right. Kabuki, you need to get on Twitch and moderate me over there. Um, but I know you take good care of me on YouTube. All right. Do, do you get games coming, but is there anything on Kickstarter that I back? Very rarely. But the only times I back something on Kickstarter is uh, occasionally a, uh, an expansion here or there. Because I figure, um, you know, when, when the game eventually goes to retail, the publisher, more often than not, will reach out and offer to send me a review copy of the game. But they often don't do that for expansions. And so for my favoriteest of favorite expansions, I'll probably back a, a few of them here and there, but very rarely. Because I've just got too many games to cover as it is. Um, right. Uh, we'll be doing a top fit expansions of 20, um, 2020. Ooh, that's a tough one. How could I do that? If I went back to, uh, my ranked list, I, I, I generally don't rank expansions. What I do is when an expansion comes in, if it's good enough to actually change my ranking of the base game, I change my ranking of the base game. So I never actually rank them. And I don't have them listed in my collection. I have them listed as pre-order, which is just a way that I organize things. If I come back over here to the browser and I say filter, show me expansions, not board games, and show me ones that are pre-ordered because I don't own any. I guess I could do like that. And I do that. Okay, no, no, it has to be both. It has to be, all right, so it has to be, all right, so there we go. If I apply filters, there we go. And now, if I go 2020, the, the, these are in, whatever, they must be alphabetical. I don't know what they're in, but let's see, 2020 expansions. What do I have? None? Is that right? Oh, shoot, because they're, they're going to be on the last page because this is not sorted by any order, right? And I've got 600 or some of them. All right, so if I just go to the third page, will all my 2020 expansions be over there? I'm not, I have no idea how these are getting sorted. All right, here's 33 on this page. All right, oh, of course, a lot of them are going to be Marvel Champions stuff. We'll just say Marvel Champions is my number one combined. Runestones, I have it. I haven't played it yet. Dominion, uh, D Dominion Menagerie was very good, uh, but they should have called it Horses, and they should have made a couple of changes. I talked about that when I did run through for it. Aqu Aquatica Cold Waters is great. I have not tried Corruption Ascension yet. I'm very bad. More Marvel Champion stuff. The Weenspan Oceania expansion. Was that the one that added the pollen? I think so, and I had a little bit of problems with that. So it wasn't the greatest. 
Uh, more Marvel Champions stuff. Tile Towns Villagers is very nice. Uh, anything for Project Elite is amazing. I have not played... A lot of these I haven't played. Plans and Ploys was great. More good stuff. Played a couple games with that. Magnificent Snow is fantastic. The Tome Saga stuff was interesting. It was interesting to play the uh, West Kingdom Games co-op. We didn't actually end up doing... I don't, did we? No, we just couldn't make time to do the, the campaign, though. Um, right, the status update for smartphone is great. Aeon's in stuff is always good. I, 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 honestly, I just don't think I can do this. I, I would have to think about long and hard. Plus, there are so many of these that I have, many of which I actually backed on Board Game Geek. So I, I think I'll just have to, I have to bag on that. That would have to, I would have to give it a lot of thought. Um, and like I said, I mostly like talking about new stuff as opposed to revisiting it. I, I care more about uh, letting people know about games, and then if they really like it, they can go check out the expansions themselves. Because when is an expansion bad? That's very rare. Alrighty, Nightbot is a suggestion. Okay. D-d-d. How do I keep my voice healthy or all the videos I do? I James, my throat is on fire right now. Um, I don't know why. You'd think, after me doing this for almost a decade, or have I been doing it for over a decade now, that I would have actually built up some kind of resistance in my pipes. But on a, on a day where I actually film a couple of run-throughs, or I do a really big high-energy thing like this, by the end of the day, I feel like I've got a cold, and the only solution is ice cream. So that's uh, that's my self-medication there. Um, righty. Uh, After, well, uh, uh, Celia, some people do say that Hallertau is too luck-dependent. I disagree with them. That would be a reason to maybe dismiss it. I know you have a top uh, ton of top ten, are top 10 rulebooks. People have asked Jay over the years for a top 10 rulebooks list. I honestly don't think I could pull it off. Because I tend not to remember the good ones and the bad ones, so I'd literally have to go and look at hundreds of them to try and find the really great examples. And plus, I tend to not have as many problems with rule books as most players because I read so many of them. And so a lot of times people will say, oh, this rule book was terrible. I'm like, I thought it was fine. I didn't see any problems with it. So I, d I tend not to comment about them very often. If I have a problem with the rule book, though, I suspect everybody will have like a super problem with it. So I'll call that out. But I've never really... I, I just haven't kept track of it. All righty. DTT. What would a side filter of the board game look like? Um, that would actually be really cool. I would love to consult if there's any publishers out there uh, who would like to pay a little consulting fee for the designer of Siphon Filter to give them feedback. What'd it be? Um, well, I mean, you know, there were like the that Specter Ops game. You you you'd think it'd be something like that, but with like an emphasis on um, on uh, I think what I'd like it to be. I wouldn't like it to be a fixed map, but I'd like it to be. Maybe like a deck of cards, so that every time you play, you're going to get like kind of a randomized um, dungeon, for lack of a oh, doubt, they would be dungeons that you're exploring. And that, you know, it'd be really important to be able to have a nice mix of oh, there's a bunch of shooting, and okay, okay, we we can calm back down, and we can go back to sneaking a little bit, and you know, variable objectives that cause you to traipse back and forth. Um, no dice rolling, <laughs> uh, but instead, you know, deterministic combat, you know, all uh, uh, you know, Gloomhaven or something like that. I don't know. I don't know. I, d I don't think of myself as a really great board game designer. I would love to see something, though, and I'd love to give feedback if anything ever were to happen, seeing as how it looks like we're never going to get another Siphon Filter video game. Now, that I know. I know exactly. If I were to do a new Siphon Filter game, I know exactly what I'd do to completely um, re-energize or reinvent the uh, third-person shooter genre on consoles, and I guess PC. But no, ain't nobody asking me for that. Uh, all right. Yes. 
Okay, I am, I think at this point, I, I would love to see what everybody's saying, but I am just going to start scanning, and I'm sorry. And actually, what I do is I go back and I look at everything after. So I will see everybody's comments, but for now, I'm just going to start looking for question marks. Can I repeat for us all the, uh, the, t- uh, the all top 10? Oh, actually, I'm sure, Jorg, you did see I did uh, top 10. But you can just go to ranked.rado.com, do a search for parenthesis 2020, and you'll see my top 50 of the year if you like. Alrighty, DTT, question marks, question, there we go. How often do I get recognized in everyday life? Not very often. It has happened a couple of times. Uh, when I moved back to America, I have been recognized at a grocery store and at an Ikea and at a charity shop. I remember all three, because it's so shocking when it happens. So I think it's happened three times in the two years I've been back in America. Um, and it's, it's really flattering when it happens, but it doesn't happen very often. Of course, why would it happen over the last year? Because I've been wearing a mask everywhere I go. <coughs> right. Very excited about the new underwater version of the crew. Maybe even more excited about that because I really love the abyss and you know that setting of you know people down at the bottom and the the crushing pressure. Of course, it's really the same thing as being in outer space. So very very excited. Um, all right, I, Alan, I love the two player abyss. I think it's great. And in fact, I like it more because when we did play. Uh, the crew with people, they all knew how to play trick-taking and it was just so much pressure. Uh, for us, that's one of the great things of the crew is it, it gives you like a safety. If you're new and it's just you and somebody you trust who won't make you feel stupid for not understanding the, you know, the, the, the ebb, flow and, ebb and flow of a, of a trick-taking game, it's, it, crew is great for that. How fast is my internet? As fast as Xfinity, which is Comcast, will allow. I pay for the maximum. Whatever the super ultra ultimate is. Let's, let's find out. Let's um, do a see Google speed test. I'm going to do a speed test right now. Uh, dun, dun. And you guys can watch with me because I genuinely don't know. Um, where do I need to go? Oh, I know I'm in the wrong thing. I need to come back over here. I need to go back to the browser. Run speed test. Go! All right. Um, so around 80 megabits per second. But that's in this room based off Wi-Fi. Um, in my living room, based on the Wi-Fi, I think it gets up to like 120 or 130. Um, but, I mean, this room is about as far away from our router as it can be. And even though I have extenders, um, I, but I'm pretty happy. It's, I, I don't think I've gotten any drops, have I? But anyway, there was, there to answer your question, whoever asked it. Got to get back to you. Um, James? Okay, bye James, other James, Twitch James as opposed to YouTube James. I need to start saying YouTube James and Twitch James, obviously. Alan, season zero for Pandemic, you're right. It is very different. But at the same time, it's not. It it, it feels to me like an expansion. It feels to me like, oh, this concept of teams, and um, it's a spinoff, the same way the Cthulhu game is. But the core thing... You still get your action points. There's still a, a deck that's just making things pop up randomly. Yes, they won't spread the same way. And yes, you have this extra thing of, oh, instead of spending action points on myself, I can spend them on these teams. But you still got to get your hand of cards together. To me, it still feels like 85%. And that was enough to not warrant getting its own entry. Uh, that's just a, it's all very subjective, very hand wavy, but that's just kind of where I end up sitting. Okay, how many games do I play every week? It's variable depending on my wife. Um, as few as one or two, or as many as ten. It's 100% on her schedule. Although, actually, for the last year or so, I've really been trying to cut back on the amount we play so we can play what we do play more, rather than just playing more new stuff. Which means I'm covering stuff less, but that's because I'm bringing more people onto the channel to help me cover stuff. Um, 
so, yeah, anywhere from 2 to 10. So, I guess, is that 5 on average? Maybe? No, on a true average, probably 4, let's say. Ginkopolis is fantastic. I haven't played it for years. Yeah. Question marks, question marks, question marks. What about Clinic Rush? What about Clinic Rush? What are you talking about? Candy. Candy. Board Game Geek. Clinic Rush. Hospital Rush. Rush MD. I have not heard of Clinic Rush. And um, it didn't show up on Board Game Geek. I'm not, I don't know what you're talking about. Is that a video game? Okay. Question mark, question mark, question mark. I'll read all the other stuff later. Could do a top 10 games of the decade. I feel like I did do that. I'm almost positive I did that. I believe I did that with Tom Vassell, didn't I? At a Dice Tower West convention? Oh, no, we did most influential games of the decade. Here's the deal. I could do that, um, just like literally, for the last 10 years. What's my number one game of each year? Uh, Would would that be interesting to folks? It'd be super easy, because you can just go to rank.rado.com and see. I've got all the information there. I don't know. Would that be interesting? I have not played Adventures of Robin Hood. I cannot wait, YouTube James. (laughs) All righty. Oh, SJW. (laughs) Did I say that? Yes. Uh, Oopsie doops. I uh, I'd love to get an SJW award, but I don't I don't think I will. Um, but I'll keep working at it. Uh, GTT. Uh, all right. So, uh, what is a coin game? Coin. I mean, oh yeah, coin stands for counterinsurgency. They are a very popular line of the heaviest of heavy games you will ever play. Everybody takes part uh, in one particular faction in a real-world historical military conflict, like in Cuba or ancient Rome or wherever. And everybody has very, very different rules. They're, they're all playing, you know, doing area control on the main map, but they have different rules for engagement, whether you're, you know, a, a scrappy bunch of terrorists or, you know, the ruling party or, uh, you know, or whatever. And, and very, very well loved. Are there decks already available for, for... I have no idea. I have not followed Paleo after covering it. Um, right. But if you... Uh, um, I'm sorry. Who did I just skip? Uh, Agent uh, Quirce. Do a search for Rado Paleo. You can watch my run-through of it. That'll hopefully give you a good idea. Do you know if Paleo decks are available? I don't know what you're talking about with Paleo decks. What theme would I love to see next year? Um, People always ask. I'm, I'm happy with anything. I, I'm happy to be surprised. I, you, know, you may have noticed there was like, if there was one contiguous theme over the majority of my games of this of 2020, I love Euro style gathering goods to build things games in any time era, any time zone, wherever it is. I just want to play that. I, I want to build things as my favorite thing. I don't want to. Occasionally, I'll have fun killing things or racing things, um, but mostly I just want to build things. So any game that lets me do that in a satisfying, interesting, puzzly way with a lot of harsh restrictions means I'll love it. Doesn't really matter what the theme is. Uh, Merchant of the Dark Roads, yeah, that was really cool. What would the perfect Rotto game be? Well, I actually, I just kind of talked about that a second ago, YouTube James. Um, I don't know if we really get that much uh, Twitch James. I need to keep doing that. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I just described. The theme is immaterial. It's a, um, It's about... What you know, what is the verb? I you know this is a holdover from when I was a video game developer and video game designers always talk about what are the verbs in this game, which is another way of saying what does the player do. And my favorite verb in all board gaming is build. I want to build things. It's just much more satisfying. Once the game is over, win or lose, I can just feel great. I mean, yeah, I like to do other things too. I mean, what is the verb of 
of a uh, of a uh, pandemic. I would call it firefighting, for lack of a better term. And I really like that. I guess that's protection. I like to protect things. I like to build things. I also like to protect things that I build. I I I I enjoy a nice uh, uh, tower defense game. After the Empire was very cool. Deck building co-op from Matt Leacock. Do it, Matt. I know you're out there. Or if you're not, somebody who's close to Matt Leacock. Make it happen. And in the meantime, we've got the loop. What is my favorite brand of ice cream? That's an excellent choice. The best ice cream I've ever had in my life is there's this little place in Malta. Oh, man. I've been away from Malta for almost three years now. Is it Sugars? Busy Bee. Busy Bee has the best ice cream in the world. I have had ice cream all over the world. I've had many, many different flavors from many, many different places in many, many different countries. Had tons of gelato in Italy. And, um, and Busy Bee in Malta is the best. If you're talking about what, what can you get at the local grocery store in America, I, I'm really partial to Tillamook. The, 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 the creaminess of Tillamook is just sublime. Second to none. I, I, I've definitely I've seen better flavor combinations. I mean, how can you not love all the inventiveness of Ben & Jerry's? But I do think Tillamook has just the best core raw ice cream in America at a grocery store. Alright. Thank you, Ruination. Alright, question marks. Did you miss working in the video game industry and would you ever go back if the incentives... Never say never. It was so stressful. Um, I, I, I would not be... I don't, know, I don't know that I could go back to do it full time. I could certainly go back and do consulting stuff, but uh, I'm 52 and I can't go back to working, you know, 70 to 80 hour weeks for like two years straight. Never seeing my wife. I just, I don't think I can do it anymore. Uh, I'm too old for that. Bleep. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure what you mean. The base game index. All right. So you're talking to somebody else. Would I play Keyforge with the... What? A cooperative print and play for Keyforge? Is that official? Is that official? What are you talking about, James Woods? You also know as YouTube James. Or maybe there's multiple YouTube... I'm not, no. Um... Keyforge. I just don't. I mean, if there's Keyforge news, I don't pay attention to it at all because it's a dueling wizard game. One of my least favorite things. Uh, there's a verb I don't want to do: dueling wizards. Uh, Keyforge co-op, print and play. What are you talking about? Keyforge Adventures uh, posted in April. Is this an official thing? It's an official thing from Fancy Flight. Oh my gosh. Okay, you know what's going to happen now? I accept your cookies, Fancy Flight. Um, all right, we need to do something, folks. We need to come back over. Thank you, James. No, not you. I don't need you. I need you to come back over to the browser and go to Keyforge. And I don't know which one. What's the most recent one? Uh, Mass Mutation? Uh, Dark Tidings? Sure. Uh, Keyforge, Dark Tidings. Wishlist, like to have. Actually, I should, I should just do regular Keyforge, shouldn't I? Not that one. Uh, I, I don't even know if they're standalones. I have no idea how, anything about Keyforge. Let's just go with regular Keyforge, and that you have just put it on my wish list. Next time I talk to Asmodee, I might ask them to send me out a couple of decks. Was this the original? What is the oldest one? Archons? Where's just Keyforge? I just want to... All right, I, I'm going to assume Call of the Archons is the original, and that goes on my wish list as a number three like to have. And, uh, are they talking about this co-op thing in the forums? Co-op. I can type dash op. 
So Arch Envy? I don't know. I'm 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 really intrigued. Uh clearly, to answer your question, I had not heard of it. But I have now, and I'm gonna learn more. Thank you very much. There's a good reason to do uh, lives. I wouldn't have never heard of it. Alright. How much time do you spend answering questions in YouTube comments? I always seem to answer within a day, even on old videos. Yes, I do. I every morning I wake up, get out of bed, drag a comb across my head. Um, drag my way downstairs, drank up, looking up, I noticed I was late. Boom, 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 boom. No, I, I do not do uh, Beatles Day in a Life song. Uh, every morning, um, I my laptop is right there. Before I go to the bathroom, I open the laptop up, check any emails that came overnight, and check for any comments that came in overnight. I pretty much answer them on the spot, and then I usually check a couple times over the course of the day. I check in the evening, some of it will built up. About midday, there will be enough built up. So, I don't know, probably all told about an hour, an hour over the course of an average day. Oh, you know, in, in like three or four little chunks. Alrighty. Is there any corner-to-corner -corner scheduled for the near future? No. Uh, I think Tom got everything he wanted out of it. And uh, we had a good time. It was good fun. But I, I, I'll be honest. I mean, I enjoyed doing it. Make no mistake. But man, that even, even when we got it down to only once every couple of weeks, I was like, alright, we got to do the thing. And I don't know, maybe it kind of got that way for Tom, too. Tom is always wanting to... Oh, thank you for where I just... What the... Oh, what just happened? Something just happened. Um, things are happening. I've been raided. Thundergrift Games has raided me. Oh, my goodness. I'm glad I happen to be looking at the screen right then. Hello, party of 45. I'm aware of what this is. But, um, wow, that is awesome possum. Um, thank you. I, I don't know if there's any kind... I, I'm, again, I'm still new to the Twitch stuff. Be sure to like and subscribe. Do people do that on Twitch? Um, yeah. Uh, Thundergrift Games. What are you doing dragging around 45 people? Were you doing some uh, Matchbox gaming? Uh, I don't know. Um, anyway, though. Wow. I've been raided. Uh, this is probably my first raid. Very exciting. Hello, Ma Wern and Sonic Nomad and Vermore. Uh... I plan on at least once a month doing my roundups and maybe some other stuff here and there, and we'll see. But wow, look at this. An explosion of fireworks. That's cool. The raid thing, I have to say, is probably the most brilliant thing on Twitch. That idea. And I should probably do one after I'm done here. Uh, although I, I won't be bringing in just as many people. How many people are, are following me now? Of course, well, actually, a whole bunch, right? 45 people just showed up and then probably followed me and then ran away because they just saw this uh, gray hair saying, what the heck is he talking about? He doesn't know his way around Twitch. He's not one of us. But I probably should, at the end of this, do a raid someplace, shouldn't I? But I don't know where to raid. Um, I, I, I don't know. When we get towards the end, maybe somebody could see... I'll, I'll look into it. I'm still new. But man, all the fireworks, all the time. That is certainly fun. Okay. I need to move this over here so I can see the fireworks because the, the, my chat stream is covering up the fireworks. All right, anyway, though. So... Uh, no, you can't just do top 10 for every year. That's cheating. Yeah, I know. That's the thing. Well, um, yeah, that, that would be too easy. But again, if that's what you want, uh, you can just go, uh, uh, Curious, if I'm saying your name right, to rank.rao.com. It's so easy because I rank everything as I go. So I generally look for something that has a little bit more subjectivity to it, where I have to think about it a little bit. Um, not always, though. Favorite game of 2021 is currently Hollertau, as I mentioned earlier. All right. What is my view of the husband and wife card controversy in Everdell? Um, I don't know if it's a controversy. It's just some folks speaking up and saying, well, hey, this is a little disappointing. It would have been great if the game could have 
been a little bit more inclusive and given us something to allow us to, uh, to feel like we're connected to the world. Because I think everybody likes that. Everybody likes to have a situation where they can, oh, I, I really feel like I'm connected. I'm part of this world. I can imagine myself there. And I totally understand. I, I don't think anybody is saying, oh, it's bad that there's husband and wife. Just that, well, if, if there's that, why not um, you know, have uh, same-sex couples as well? I complained about this. Nobody noticed in a Rio Grande game that came out last year. It was an Old West game that uh, had a lot of gameplay around getting married. And I mentioned in my run-through at the time, it was kind of a bother. that they The rules specifically call out that we do not allow same-sex marriage in this game. And I'm like, but it was not at all uncommon in the American West. Same-sex marriages, um, I forget, there was actually a special term for them, uh, you know, out in the territories, happened a lot. And, uh, and it was, it's, and it's, it's, uh, you know, why not bring that history into the game? So no, I don't think there's a controversy and I agree. Why not allow for more people to be able to feel like they are part of that world, part of that world. So that would be my feeling. Um, uh, free junk number two. What happened to free junk number one? That's my real question. Okay. Last time, my favorite thing about Pacific Northwest, state of uh, ice cream. Do I have a favorite thing about living in the Pacific Northwest specifically? Trees, greenery. Green is my favorite color. And I remember as a kid, most of my early years uh, were in um, central and northern California, which was very dry and scrubby and dirt and and uh, dusty. And for a year, we, bre- we moved up to the Pacific Northwest and then we moved back down. And I remember it made such a huge impact on me to be surrounded by trees and uh, just to go out in the forest and the cool and the moss and all that. And so that's a big part of my childhood, that window where we briefly lived in the Pacific Northwest and coming back to it. Uh, you know, we're really lucky where we live. There's a really wonderful little forest that's just literally like, um, you know, two steps right outside our door and a wonderful footpath. And it's just magical. And I, yeah, the outdoors, the, specifically the forest, the greenery that, of course, comes at a cost. Because we have so much rain, but it's worth it. That would probably be my favorite thing specifically about the Pacific Northwest. It's very, very unique feel of green and forests and whatnot. Uh, now it's been revisited. Will I revisit Merchant's Cove? I need to look. Because if they didn't change anything about... Uh, 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 Bill, do you know? Did they change anything about the in- implicit for Jensen, my taste, extreme cutthroatedness of the uh, the merchant game. Where, oh, I can see you worked really hard to be able to sell to a lot of red meeples. Too bad they all just disappeared because I did some jiggery-pokery and made them stay out at sea. And, naha, you can't do what you want to do and now you're really stuffed and you've got a bunch of stuff you can't sell. Yay! I loved everything about that game except just how really, especially as a two-player game, how incredibly cutthroat it could be. So I would, in- I would need to know if that has changed. Sleeping Gods or Tainted Grail? Sleeping Gods. Uh, just, uh, I... Because of the, the subject matter. I, I, I enjoy the world of Sleeping Gods more. Tainted Grail was too grim. But gameplay-wise, that would be a tougher choice. Because the gameplay in Tainted Grail was really good. And I really did like the pressure of, you know, having to constantly keep on the move and the lights always going out. I thought that was really, really neat. And I liked that there was an equal amount of focus from a gameplay mechanism's point of view put on talking to people in addition to fighting people. So that was very nice. But just overall, as a package, it would have to be Sleeping Gods because Tainted Grail is just too grimdark. Best Zoom game if only one person had a copy of the game. 
Um, you should ask that question of long distance gamers, who I did a top 10 last month, uh, top 10 pandemic uh, expansions and mechanisms and all of that, because that's their specialty. And I highly recommend go check out, do a search for Rado Top 10 Pandemic. You'll find that. You'll find a link to their channel. They are experts at this, at long distance playing of games. That's their entire channel. Um, so they should really be blowing up because they teach people how, with one person has a copy of the game, nobody else does. Here's how you can play it over Zoom. They're a great, great channel. Great people. Uh, hi, Lizzie, wherever you are. What is my take on the app-based board game such as the recent Kickstarter, My Father's Work? I I don't know. I have not looked too much into the specifics of what My Father's Work is, so I don't know it. But I can say in general... I love app integration, digital integration into analog games so that it can do new and interesting stuff. You know, going beyond just, oh, give us a timer or a way to score. Things that will allow the game to accomplish stuff that would be impossible otherwise. Best example would be the, uh, all the Mastermind games. Because I remember as a kid, it was not fun playing Mastermind with my brother where, oh, he's doing all the guessing and I'm just telling him whether he's right or wrong. I would so much rather an app do that. Why not have an app do that? That's kind of the point, to automate tedious tasks. That's why these things exist. Um, so, uh, yeah, on the whole, I am a fan of it if, uh, it, if it, it elevates the experience and gives you something new. Like, I've, I've covered a bunch of them. Like, there were some escape room ones where you uh, did VR escape. You, uh, you know, that, that was really cool. What was that? I don't remember now. But I, I'm, I'm, I am pro. And I don't think, for people who are worried that it's going to take over the industry, it'll never take over the industry. Because, quite frankly, video game development is significantly more expensive, more complex, and just a, more of a pain in the butt. So I don't think it's ever... I mean, we've had digital chess boards since the 60s. The vast majority of people still play chess with real chess boards. So I, 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 don't, I don't worry about it taking over the wonderful tactile nature of what makes board gaming so great. So hopeful for Keyforge Co-op. Oh, yeah, me too. I, I, I am very excited about that. How are the chickens? The chickens are doing great. Um, we, you know, The one who we thought was egg-bound, she seems to have totally recovered, but there's just something weird about her now. She always walks with a weird waddle, and she doesn't seem to lay eggs, but you know, Jen loves them all too much, so... They're doing fine. They've, they've gotten past their molting. We have 12 chickens, by the way. We're uh, backyard barn yarders. And uh, I think these days we're getting seven or eight a day. So that's, that's not as good as it could be, but Jen's pretty happy with that. And they're, they're, uh, they make her laugh every day. Okay. Hi, all of you people. Griffey says hi a whole bunch of times. What does that mean? Three people say Griffey says hi. Is that a bot? Is this a spammy thing? Or no, this is when the Raiders came in. What is Griffey? I don't understand. Eventually, hopefully, somebody will explain what Griffey is. Is this something I need to do? Do I need a bot to stop the Griffies? I don't understand what all of that is. Twitch is confusing. It's a whole new world. Have I stopped to play board games in my life? Have I stopped to play board games in my life? For me, a gap. Oh, no. Well, um, yes. The gap for me would be probably between age 10 and age, uh, what, 40. So there is a time in there. Uh, where the only game, Jen and I did play a lot of Magic the Gathering back in the uh, third edition Ice Age era. Um, just missed getting it on the ground floor, never got any moxes or anything like that. Came in at third edition. Raid time, raid, raid, raid. Okay, okay, so obviously I am catching up. More Griffies. What is this Griffy business? Look at all that explosion of stuff. That's very cool. Thank you, Thunder Griff. If this is, in fact, the Thunder Griff um, one. 
Uh, it must be, oh, Darwin's, oh yeah, Darwin's Journey is fantastic. Uh, really, really cool game. All right. Do, 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 do. What's my biggest surprise hit and biggest letdown 2020 in all time? Oh, well, that's not, that's a, that's a, that's an easy one, obviously. Um, geez, Louise. Uh, okay. Hold on a second then. My biggest surprise hit. The biggest surprise. Well, I just need to go back to um, rank.rado.com. Let's just go back there. Ranked.rado.com, which will give me my list of all the games. And I will just start from the top. And uh, when I get to the one that surprised me the most, that will be it. So let's go back over to the browser. Let's all go to the browser. Alrighty. Well, Pandemic itself was a huge hit because that was the one that brought us in. We had no idea that such things existed and it really blew us away. Gloomhaven was very surprising too. Didn't expect anything like it. Actually, that's not true because I'd already played Azic Children's previous game, Forge War, and I was so impressed by that. No, the Gloomhaven didn't surprise me actually. And, you know, I mean, these were all when I was growing. So, I mean, I, I didn't know there was anything really out of the ordinary with all of this kind of stuff. Escape for the Curse of the Temple. That was our first real-time game. That was a big surprise. Um, didn't expect anything that like that. And then Project Elite, of course. Uh, you know, that a, a board game could actually capture the, the tension and the pressure and the sweat-inducing panic of a, of a really great action video game. That was really impressive. Uh, da, 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 da. And then, you know, well, obviously the games have interesting little surprises, but like things that really just like, whoa, I did not see that coming. I don't know. It's going to be hard. I'm, pr- I'm actually honest. Recently, The Loop. As for, for the year 2020, by far, I did not expect anything from The Loop. And it totally blew me away. Better than I had any expectation of it being one of the best cooperative games ever. Um, and so, yeah, that's going to certainly be my most surprising game of 2020. And uh, of all time, I'm just going to say Pandemic because I'm just going to be cheap and uh, say, well, yeah, of course, this is the first game I played. So, and I didn't expect anything like it. I had no idea what to expect. So obviously, I was very surprised. And again, I realize that's totally cheating, but hee <laughs> Okay, um, back to the chat thingy. All right, do you rent your... Oh, we own, we own. We bought, when we moved back so that, to America so that my mom could move in with us, um, we got a little... It's not a trailer park. It's a manufactured home. So it's, it was a very, very cheap house. And uh, yeah, uh, and we own. But, uh, yeah, we are very frugal people. So what are you doing with the Q&A? So what are you doing just a Q&A now? Yep, that's it, bloody lion. Just Q&A and until I can basically catch up with all the questions. And then that's when I end it. Uh, did I... Uh, I did a top 10... Right, so um, looking at the stream name. What is the stream name? Is the stream name wrong? I don't know. Um, I'm, okay, I need to look at the stream name. Is the stream name wrong this whole time? It should have been like top 10 skippity dips. But how do you see a stream name? Oh, it's just streaming live, so you don't get the name. That's weird. Oh, wait, no, no, it does say right there. Right or wrong. Top 10 of 2020 updated. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Whew. Like I said, um, it's, a, it's a strange and mysterious beast, this Twitch. I still don't know what's happening. Do I prefer board games in person or online? Oh, in person, totally. Uh, I, we played some online stuff. It just never... It, it works. Tabletopia is very, very impressive, but just not for us. Uh, I mean, but again, I only play games with Jen. So why would I play with her online when she's literally in the house? Uh, did test runs really count as true first stream? I would say this is probably my first real stream where I'm actually doing something. So welcome to the inaugural first realsy real non-testy thing um, on Twitch. 
And, oh, Griffy, oh, Griffy equals Thundergriff. Oh, so Griffy was just saying hi to everybody. That makes total sense. Okay, I'm glad I didn't, I'm glad I did not try to ban them. Because <laughs> it looked kind of spammy. But no, Thundergriff is just a very friendly group of people. And I can confirm that. Because I have had some back and forth email dealings with them. Because I've covered some of their games over the years. And they seem like wonderful people. Alrighty. Uh, Alright. Um, quests? There's raid? I don't know. Alright, what character do I want to see in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that has not been done? Oh, that's a good question. She-Hulk. No, it's not. It's. I was going to think hard, long and hard, but no. She-Hulk is probably my second favorite Marvel comic, uh, Marvel Comics character after Spider-Man, who is, um, you know, I've, I've loved Spider-Man since I was a little kid. Always been my absolute favorite. One of my favorite fictional characters ever. Um, and She-Hulk, Jennifer Walters... They have done so many interesting things with her, and she is so rife for potential. She was doing the breaking the fourth wall, you know, decades before Deadpool was. And, um, yeah, I, I absolutely love her. And I love uh, Tatiana. I can't remember her name. The uh, clone TV show girl. And she's got a perfect casting. Allison Brie would have been great, too. I wouldn't have complained. But, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm super excited about She-Hulk. All right, um... Uh, similar games to Sherlock Holmes Consulting is my favorite of all time. It's really not our thing. I mean, we've tried several games. I guess if I were to play a Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective one, it would probably be those ones with the app. What are they? That are from Lucky Duck Games. Chronicle? Is that what they are? I can't think of their name. But the ones from Lucky Duck Games where you use the app to scan QR codes. Um, because, but generally, it's just not our thing. Oh, wow. Oh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm way behind are not booming in value. That is a shame, Kabuki Kid, because I've got a whole closet full of fallen empires, which I'm sure is probably not worth the cardstock it's printed on, sadly. Um, wow. Well, this Griffey stuff went on for quite a while. Or did I get a... Did, did I actually have two raids? I don't know. I need to be more on top of it. I need to find out how... Because I have my computer sound turned off, so you're not hearing a duplicate of me. There must be some way that in Streamlabs OBS, I can have it make a sound so that I know when a big event like that happens. So, more more to learn. More to learn. Okay. Uh, Jason Wayne, yes. I have I, not had a, uh, a Q&A section where I couldn't somehow get ahead of everybody. So hopefully I'll catch up with you. And I, and I see the scroll bars kind of getting to the bottom. So, um, I mean, you people will. You always eventually run out of questions. Coffee Traders from Capstone added a two-player option. Really? That Coffee Traders was that super huge big one, wasn't it? Really? Coffee Traders. Um, I'm interested. Uh, uh, Pinta Chan. I've just put it on my wish list as a three. I'm gonna have to look into that um, because I because Capstone Games I really love them and um, yeah wasn't it, it's from isn't Capstone from the same designers as Arkwright? I forget but no that's really interesting I had no idea uh, it's on my uh, wish list now. All right, uh, hopefully you have not cracked the code, Jason. D-d-d-d. Top ten Skippy dips. Why do I say Skippy dip? I have no idea where that comes from. Prefab house, yes, prefab. Manufactured home. It was manufactured somewhere else and brought here on a truck and just plunked down. And you can tell because all the walls feel very cheap 
and um, and all of that. And it's really old, but but it's it's perfect. The layout for this house, it's like it was custom designed for us. This third bedroom that I'm in, which was an add-on after the thing had been built, and and they had put uh, another room above the garage, so that's where Jen has her stuff. But we have a full gaming room, and we have a nice living room. We had a really big, expansive. Um, ensuite master bedroom that we basically gave to my mom so that's like kind of like a studio apartment for her and i mean she's got a lot of space and then we just take one of the, the little guest bedroom it, this house is like i said it, it's like it's like they custom made it for us but it is very cheap and kind of falling apart alternate universe for pandemic never existed what games if any would have got Ooh, wow wow that is an interesting question darren and i think i know the answer i think it would have been small world because at the time, I was still working at Splash Damage, which was a video game developer. And every lunch, um, while most of my team, or you know, most of the, would actually go out and have lunch, or they would you know play um, shooters over the local network, or you know, or just play games or relax or whatever. I always just kept working. I've, I mean, when I was in the video game industry, I was a, the biggest workaholic you ever saw, um, and so I never noticed that for a year there was a group of guys. Um, no gals, unfortunately, as always. Sad state of affairs in the video game industry. Who were playing board games every um, week. And they were playing a lot of Pandemic and other stuff too. And um, I think I... And I had never noticed because I was just too busy working. I didn't notice that every lunch they took over the conference room and did all these things. Because at the time, I didn't know board games existed. I thought, are, what are they doing in there? Are they playing Warhammer 40k? Or is that like some kind of Magic the Gathering with a board? What's going on? I suspect after after they had been done with their really big pandemic kick, they got on a huge small world kick. And there's every likelihood that I might have noticed and said, hey, what's this? And they might have invited me and I might have said, well, okay, I need to be a good manager and be, you know, be and, you know, with the team. And I would have, oh my God, this is amazing. This is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. So my best guess is it would have been small world based on proximity. Uh, no interest in dwellings of Eldervale. Nope. Uh, there's enough area control messing with other players to just not be a good friend, which is why I had Shay Parker covered for the channel. How many are watching on Twitch? Um, no. How many are on Twitch now? Let's take a looky-loo. 40! Wow, I have doubled my count. Although, uh, still 276 on YouTube. And again, still don't know about Facebook, because Facebook doesn't say. Uh, but still, that's pretty good, right? 40? Is that good? I don't know. I don't know what are good numbers. I don't know what are good numbers, period. But, uh... Having fun, having fun. Oop, right, where'd it go, where'd it go, where'd it go? Restream chat, there we go. Uh, all right. That's not a question. All right, who is Thundergriff, though? Uh, they're, they're a board game publisher. Um, like I said, they're most, somebody mentioned the most recent one on Kickstarter was uh, Darwin's Journey, which will be coming probably later this year, early next year. The last thing they did was, big game was Tang Garden. Was it Tang or Yang Garden? No, Tang Garden, I believe, which is beautiful. Some of those beautiful... And then they did the Matchbox collection, which had some very, very cool little, like, miniature games in it. So, yeah, I mean, they've been around for a while. They're kind of... A, they're a publisher that's kind of on the rise. Um, but they're definitely known for just a stunningly beautiful productions. All righty. And, uh, and apparently they've got a lot of fans who follow them everywhere, which is cool. Chronicles of Crime. Yeah, you go. I knew it was Chronicles. Like, right, Chronicles of Crime. Uh, Razor Hand reporting to your channel. What games do you think are great at raising awareness and critical thinking about important struggles and topics. What an excellent question, New American Underground. Well, I mean, there's the obvious ones, uh, like your Underground Railroads and um, and whatnot. I mean, you know... Uh, 
It's interesting, you know, when I'm in the top 10, I kind of talked about that a little bit with Anno 1800, because Anno 1800, I don't even have to guess. I know the developers were actually using their game development as a platform to be able to express themselves, this is the way we think society should comport itself. Uh, it shouldn't be about, you know, zero-sum, we succeed where other countries fail. And it's beautiful for that. So, but that's not really that uh, common. Oh, oh, oh. Fire Obend, which came out either last year or the year before from Designer Freedom and Freeze, is a wonderful game. It's a worker placement game where your workers, where the, the sole purpose, the way you win the game, is not by getting the most points, but by ensuring your workers have an, uh, a good work-home-life balance. And so you are trying to be a, uh, uh, you know, uh, a, a good manager. Um, as opposed to just trying, trying to get the most out of them so you can get the most victory points. And, and I thought that was absolutely amazing. Your workers could actually unionize in that game, and you can give them more time off, and they can make decisions about what kind of vacations they go on and stuff like that. I mean, I, I, So those are a few games I can think of, but it's pretty rare. It's pretty rare. Um, it's, it's a bit... It's a bit touch and go, but I was always very impressed by Endeavor, which is a, uh, a, a, a kind of Euro E4X game about the Euro colonization because that game does let you... That game does not whitewash history. It lets you become a slave trading nation as you colonize the New World. And um, I've always been impressed by the way they handled it, though, because what they did is... Um, you know. The, you know, the game actually goes through the covers the space of 100 years or something like that. Every round is a decade or something. And um, taking on, um, you know, deciding to adopt slavery as a gameplay mechanism that you use. Every player has the option to do it or not. And if you do, it is so incredibly powerful. Because as you might imagine, free labor is incredibly powerful. Um, and, and it's interesting because once one player does it, other players kind of feel obligated to do it, even if they personally don't want to do it because they want to win. And then what happens over the course of the game is, as time goes forward, um, it, it, there, there's an option that can allow for the abolition of slavery. And if that uh, event comes to pass, all players who did partake will suffer a huge cultural backlash. And it will really, you know, it translates to a loss of victory points, basically. And the first time I played Endeavor, and I found myself in a situation where I was actually trying to make decisions to keep slavery going. Because it was so crucial to my ability to win the game. Um, you know, obviously, these are very sensitive and uh, tough topics, and I don't blame anybody for wanting nothing to do with that game, but I always felt that that was an incredibly powerful tool. Because, of course, slavery as an institution is evil. And it's very easy to just say that and say, oh, job done, it's evil. I uh, dismiss it out of hand. But it's important to look at the underlying, I mean, you know, aside from you know racist or superiority issues, there's an economic drive that allows for slavery to exist in our world today. And Endeavor actually endeavors to put you in the, to make you understand what can lead, what economic forces can lead to such a terrible, terrible blight on our species' soul. And I think that's great because, um, you know, if you don't study, if you don't learn what brings these things about, you can't ensure they don't come about. So that's an interesting example that I always point to. But again, it's also, it's a troublesome game because some people just, like, yeah, I, I don't want to play that. I don't care um, if there's an intrinsic educational value to it. I'm, I'm here to have fun. And that's fine too. Um, you know, everybody needs to have fun first and foremost. But it's, it's a really interesting game. 
Why do I rate Great Western Trail lower than the consensus? Because uh, it's nothing to do with the quality of the game design. Great Western Trail is a fantastic design, um, but it's uh, a little bit more cutthroat than we like because one of the elements you can do is basically kind of, um, you know... Lay traps for players. I mean, you know, like I know it. It really only comes up more in a two-player game. Okay, I know this is the perfect trail for you. This is how you want to go. I'm going to put in all these impediments that make that trail more expensive for you. And Jen and I just found we didn't like that because we don't like messing with each other or making things harder for each other for the sole purpose of that. And so it was that particular feature that I, I, I rate the game very highly from its design point of view. It just wasn't as good a fit for us. We did keep it though. It's just not our favorite thing. Alrighty, and people answering about the Griffies. Hello, Griffies. I apologize for thinking you were bots. I don't know what I'm doing. Have I ever played a campaign board game that was kind of repetitive and made me come back? Um, uh, video game. Oh, that's interesting. Hmm. No, I don't think so. I, I I'm not saying that doesn't exist, but uh, Justin Bieber YOLO, you only live once. I have I have not personally seen that. Although somebody's going to turn right around and say, yeah, but what about that one? And I'll say, oh, you're right, I forgot about that one. Um, yeah, uh, the, the 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 whole Matchbox thing was great. I mean, the what was it the I the picnic one or the was it, was it picnic or like the space diner one was a little bit too lightweight for me and Jen, but I thought they were all very impressive. Alrighty, uh, Fallen Empires. Isn't worth it. All right. Oh, you guys are talking amongst yourselves. Is there a game I'm eagerly waiting for? You know what? Uh, let's go back to the uh, PowerPoint slide. Let's go back to the PowerPoint slide. Because if we go to... What do I need? I need the... Not PowerPoint slide. I need the browser. I um, am just going to do a search for... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's see. I need a Rotto Wishlist. Wish, lish. And uh, that takes me to a user collection. Anybody can do this. This is where I keep track. I mean, you've seen me in this live stream add a couple things to this wish list. Um, the ones are the things I must have. I must have Dice Realms. I must have Frosthaven. And Now or Never. And Cocapelli, Hamburg, Amsterdam. Uh, it's a Wonderful Kingdom. I'm going to put that to a two now that I think about it. Because I think it was the one where I played it. And no, I'm not even going to put that down to a three. I think it's a like to have. Uh, nothing against it. It's great. But. Um, yeah, okay. And Chronicles of Frost, man, I played a prototype of that. I'd still love to get the final. Quantified, I'm very excited for. Oh, no, it's lost the date. Mercado Lisboa. Ah, I need to update this. I actually have it now. Endangered was the one thing of 2020 I haven't played that I think could have made my top 10. So anyway, if you just do a search for Rado wish list, you will find this list and you will find the things because the things that are ones are the things I must have. The things that are two are things I'm pretty sure I'm going to love. The things that are threes are the, I think, you can see a lot of twos, I think I might like it, but I need to look into it a little bit more. The things that are fours are the, yeah, I don't know. I'll I'll make a note of it, but I don't know if I really care. And then the things that are fives are like a whole different thing. And you can go to faq.raw.com to understand all about that, because I do talk about how I rank stuff there. Back to me. Back to the chitty chat. Deities. Dentines? I don't know what that is. I assume you mean Destinies, Daniel. Uh, yeah, we played it. was on Kickstarter. It was good. It was a good game. Very neat. Um, yeah, it was cool. Oh, right. That was, that was the competitive... Because most of the... You know, most campaign adventure games are cooperative. And that was the competitive one. Yeah, that was very, very neat. Yeah, it was very, very cool. Uh, a little light, but still very, very... We enjoyed our time with it. Will Brazil ever be published? I assume so. That's what's your game, right? I don't know where what's your games has gone... 
I, I, I hope and pray, although I am an atheist, uh, I, I, and I don't know, they're good people. I don't know. I mean, I'm just assuming they were hit worse by 2020 than most publishers. Because maybe they were struggling a little bit, and you know, 2020 uh, was a death knell. And I hope What's Your Game is not one of them. Um, so, but time will tell. Uh, updates on Plunderous? No, not at the moment. Uh, last I knew, Andrew was thinking he might try to relaunch it in August, maybe, or September. Because he's put so much work into the co-op expansion now, that a lot of elements from the co-op expansion have worked their way back into the main game. I am looking forward to see what he finally comes up with. Um... Uh, because you know, I mean, you know, the the co-op thing, he's really pushed it to the next level. But that's, I mean, I haven't talked to him about that stuff for a while. Okay, have I played Feudum? No, I haven't. But you might be seeing it on my channel before too long, actually. Alrighty, Wildcatters. Oh, Wildcatters. Yep, that's what I was thinking of. Um, Wildcatters was too much for us. We did try it, and it was too much. Coffee Traders might be too much for us. I might need to move Coffee Traders down to a four. Thinking about it. I'm going to do that right now, off screen. Coffee Traders. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it's a three. It might be a four. Which means I'm, I'm still interested. Okay. Oh my gosh, you people. Ah, who was it? Was it Jason who pointed out the flaw in my logic? You guys are really asking questions faster than normally as these go on. People just start to drift away and the questions slow down. That does not seem to be happening. Our older classic games from the 80s and 90s. Screaming Eagles. Nope. Um, the only game board game I played in the 80s and 90s was uh, Crossbows and Catapults. Which I think I must have stopped whenever it... I was around 10 or 11. So, I, I don't know. I mean, there's too many amazing good games. I don't have enough time to cover all the games that come out in the last year. So I certainly don't have time to go back and look at old stuff. Uh, have you ever seen the prefabbed Hobbit homes? Those are awesome. Um, my wife is... There is a, a prefab... Um, tiny home uh, construction company in Seattle that she loves. And she's been after me to, um, you know, do something about that, to do fundraising for them. But I don't think they do fundraising. But they make these wonderful, super cheap, but really sturdy, great houses that cities can order en masse to create um, good, clean, safe, um, pleasant, and comfortable living spaces for homeless and, uh, yeah, she's really, really into that. And, uh, she's been trying to think about doing fundraising for it. So I'm, I don't know if that's what you're talking about, but that, that, that does come to mind. My Twitch profile doesn't have a link to my YouTube channel. Oh, I could have sworn I did that, but I, I've still got a lot of setup to do. All righty. Twitch users. Yeah. Thank you. Um, for a oh, kid. And, um, you can also just go to rado.com. R-A-H-D-O.com takes me to my, takes you to my YouTube channel. Games on Board Game Arena. We've played a few, but it's we'd rather just play in person. Favorite solo game to play these days? Marvel Champions. Like I said, I've, I've got to speed up because you people are you're not giving me a break. Have I ever played uh, bought into crypto? No. Uh, Jen, I've talked about it, and Jen's um, you know she feels like no, I missed the window. If I couldn't have gotten in right at the very very beginning and then rode that to riches, I'm not going to jump in now. Um, so yeah, it's we and she just doesn't want to take the time to learn the landscape and figure out what the best one is. So, nope. Although, Jen used to do a lot of investment in video game stuff when I was still in the video game industry. And um, she had been holding GameStop stock for years, waiting for it to bounce back. And she had a a decent amount of it. And when it bounced back because of that whole Reddit thing, we had no idea what was happening. And she said, oh my god, it's back up. It's up a few dollars from where I bought it. We should just sell this because this is never going to happen. And then a week later, we realized... 
oh my god, look at all the money we would have made. And we sold and we got, we basically just barely made a, any kind of profit on it at all. And if you ever meet Jen, please don't mention that to her because she still kicks herself about it. Because we just had no idea what was happening. Uh, because we're, you know, we're not really avid investors. We're just basically long haulers. What platforms pays more for viewers? I don't know. I mean, Twitch doesn't pay anything because I'm not an affiliate. And I have to hit certain thresholds before I can actually monetize. I have heard that a smaller channel can do better on Twitch than on YouTube. Because one of the things is, Twitch is owned by Amazon. And if you are an Amazon Prime subscriber, which you do so you can get Amazon Prime TV and free shipping... Anybody who subscribes to Amazon.prime has a free subscription they can give to any Twitch account, which means you are throwing, I think, like five bucks a month that doesn't cost you anything to your favorite Twitcher. And um, everybody gets to do it once, I think, or something like that. So I, I think, uh, you, know, you know, even if uh, you know, you're not getting ad revenue of any note or tips or bits or whatever, um, you know, if you can get a few folks who are like, well, hey, I'm an Amazon Prime subscriber, and I really like this person on Twitch. Yes, I'll push the button that gives them $5 a month, I think, at no cost to me whatsoever. And I think that's actually a really surprising thing. And I guess that is a way that effectively Amazon subsidizes trying to get more channels on Twitch. Um, because if you, yeah, and so there's something like that. But I don't know. It, I'm not even going to worry about that until I get affiliate. But here's the thing. Yeah, I don't know. Or do I want to go to partner? I, I'm just... When I found out that I... For a push of a button, I don't have to stream only to YouTube. I can stream to Twitch and Facebook at the same time. Why not? Let's just see what happens. What game uh, is finding out how to make workers happy? That is... Uh, I said it in German. Feierabend. In English, it is called finishing time. And I believe, if you're not in Germany, the only place you can get it is at the Board Game Geek store. I think. But you can go to Board Game Geek and, and go to the Feierabend page and find out where you can get it. Or not Feierabend, Finishing Time is the English name. Although I think it's only been public. I'm not sure about that. All right. And hey, Albano Yeti, thank you for following on Twitch. I uh, hope you enjoyed the fireworks. Okay. Um, let's see. Fish has a threshold before you pay, right? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what it is. I, I haven't really looked into it too, too much. It, there's a few different thresholds that I have to have... Uh, the main thing is I have to do a certain amount of streaming. And my question is, I don't know if I plan on streaming that much. If I'm only going to do one or two big um, like Q&A top 10 sessions a month live streaming on Twitch, I don't know if that'll be enough for me to get over because they kind they want on Twitch they want you streaming every day. They want it, it's like a lifestyle thing. Yeah, every night instead of watching TV, I just get on and I stream a game that I'm playing. That's kind of the intent and I'm never going to go down that road. Um, so we'll see. Still learning. Hey, what's the name of the board game channel Long Distance Gamers doesn't have, Oh, okay, let me look. Oh, is that it? Oh, you know what? That's because they don't have enough subscribers yet. Um, so you can't Long distance gaming, though, I thought is what it was. Let's go on ahead and uh, do a search for that. YouTube long long distance gaming or the gamers. No, I, I did a Google search and the top thing I did YouTube long distance gamers that took me to them. And the thing is, I think you have to get a hundred subscribers before you actually get uh, you know an official name. So, yeah, just a Google search for long-distance gamers because currently the URL is youtube.com slash dop because they can't, they, they don't have 100 subscribers yet. Let's get them over 100 subscribers so they can actually take the proper name so they're easier to find. We can do it! Um, right. Endeavor Age of Sale. Yep, yep, yep. Have I heard of the discussion about Prison Architect? What are my thoughts? 
They asked me if I wanted to cover it, because a lot of board game publishers do. I took a look at it and decided, yeah, I don't want to cover this. In the same way, if somebody came to me and said, hey, we've got this really cool, smart game from a really great Euro designer who you really like, all about factory farming. I also would pass on that, because, I don't know. I, I wish it had been a game. I mean, of course, they, they did what they had to do, because it's based on a very popular video game series. If it was, if it didn't have to be that, I would have liked to see a prison simulation board game that is all about the uh, the Scandinavian, the Norwegian approach to prison, which is 100% rehabilitation and not about retribution, and it has such amazing results. And, I mean, to whoever asked earlier about opportunities for t using board games to teach about the world, I would like a game that paints a positive picture of how we can do better, as opposed to... Uh, well, I mean, and again, to be fair, that was part of Prison Architect. In Prison Architect, you could be a very ethical warden and tr and try to do that, or you could drive your people into the ground. And um, and as far as I know, there was no penalty for that, because in America, there's no penalty in our society. It's it's a contrast to Endeavor, where yes, you could become you could dabble in slavery, but it will come back to haunt you. It will potentially harm you. Um, and it's, so it's more of an exercise in showing, well, look, this is how terrible things can happen. I don't think, from what I saw of Prison Architect, it had that approach. Its approach was more, well, hey, let's just make it a sandbox and people can do it however they want. And I guess there's an implicit educational bias because, look, you can you, in our game, you can win by running a for-profit prison and you know being and not care about the welfare of your um, per, or your detainees, or you can try to make it uh, you know a great bastion, an opportunity for people. Oh, I forgot to turn on my light. Hey, hey, I've been in the dark all this time, and. Um, but it's just your choice. Do one or the other. And I don't know that the game really had anything to say about that. And I think that's what's missing. I would have liked to see Prison Architect focus 100% on what are different ways that we can design a prison, that we can architect a prison to rehabilitate um, and to make the world a better place rather than to punish people. And I don't know. Man, you know, I, I guess it's been canceled. Maybe they will revamp it because I do think there's nothing wrong with the subject matter. It's just how it's handled. That's kind of my feeling on it. Um, right. Uh, thank you, Jens. Uh, Jens Gamerglass, first Dice Star West. Definitely a favorite. Oh, that is awesome. Thank you, Sean. And if anybody's interested, um, this stream sponsored by www.gamerglass.art. That is my wife's webpage where she sells her handmade glass accessories for board games. Uh, Space Lunch, yes. It was a neat little game, but no, it was, that was our least favorite, if I recall correctly. All righty. Question, question, questions. Never occur fleshing. Uh, Hunter Good Canadian wishes, or you already have most of them. No, I do not. I'm really excited about Darwin, though. Uh, is there a question you get uh, tired of answering? The toughest question, the most common one that pops up is, what new themes would I like to see in board games? And it's a perfectly reasonable question. I do not disparage anybody asking. It's just, I never have a good answer for that. My brain just doesn't work that way. So that's a tough one. Um... So I always feel like, okay, this time I'll come up with something. Nope, I didn't come up with something once again. Aqua Garden. Aqua Garden. I do not know Aqua Garden. Um, let's see. Board Game Geek. Aqua. Aqua Garden. Boopity boopity boop. Aqua Garden. No, I have totally missed this one. It is a 2021 game. Hmm. Let's take a look. Let's take a looky loo. It is collect fish and create a unique aquarium with the aim of becoming the best aquarium. Looks like it's got really nice pieces. It's got a really cool cover art. And it's got people uh, 
making art sculptures from the pieces. Look at that. No. Um. Hello. Hello. She likes it, obviously. Well, it's kind of adorable. I. Hmm. I will add that as a four. I'll add it as a three for now, and eventually I'll get around to looking at it and maybe drop it down to a four. What type of gameplay? Rondell drafting set collection. I like all those things. It was a Kickstarter. Yeah. I've just totally missed this somehow. Um, too many games, as I'm sure you all know. Uh, why so many solo run-throughs lately? Um, I didn't do that in the past. Missed those two-player run-throughs with Jen. Sorry, Jen has just gotten to the point where, I mean, she does do two every month, but they're only for Patreon backers. So if you want to see her, there, that's where she'll be. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was just too much pressure for her. She just wasn't having a good time. And I do solos because it is a couple of reasons. It is more fun for me to play. And um, it's a two for one. Because I only do a solo run through of a game if the solo demonstrates what it is like to play it multiplayer. If I believe it does a good enough job that you watch me play solo and you would have a good idea of what it plays like multiplayer, then I'll do solo because I'll have more fun playing it. I will get farther in the game, so you'll get to see more stuff happen. And people who want to know what the solo is like are served. And people who want to know what the multiplayer is like are served. Because if it's a solo game that totally changes the core precepts of the game, I won't do it solo. So it's all win-win-win as far as I'm concerned. Houseless, greater than homeless. Mm. That is an interesting. I've never heard that phrase. Or do you mean it's a better phrase? Houseless versus homeless? You don't need... Oh, you, and you followed up. You don't need to live in a house to have a home. That's a really good point. Yes, I agree with that. Um, oh, man. Nothing made me sadder than living in Malta and seeing so much empty real estate everywhere. And I know it happens a lot in America as well. I mean, I've, I've heard the stats over and over and over again that in America, that we have enough food thrown away every single day to feed everyone. We have enough empty, vacant apartments to house everyone in our country. But capitalism just won't let us do it. Um, or I should say unregulated capitalism. Incentivized capitalism would allow us to do it. But that just requires um, leadership from the top. You don't need to live in a house to have a home. Yes, that's, that's a very good point. Yes. Um, please give Crystal Palace a chance. Nope, I'm sorry, uh, Hanko. It is too mean. Uh, all right. Hi, Ivan. Thanks for catching me. Oh, thank you, Ivan. You're, you are awesome. Is there any IP I feel deserves a board game adaptation that has not gotten one? Sure. I, I'm sure there's plenty. I mean, but deserves? Needs? I mean, does... Do we absolutely need a Breaking Bad? Has Breaking Bad gotten one, actually? Or, uh, gosh, one of my most favorite TV shows of the last few years is uh, not Breaking Bad, but uh, Better Call Saul. You can make a board game out of Better Call Saul. Does it need it? No. Would I be interested if somebody did it? Yes. That's what pops into my head. Did I watch The Simpsons back in the day? For the first, I don't know, six or seven years. And then at some point, I just stopped watching. I think I missed the season finale. I'm like, oh, well, I guess that's okay. I, I, yeah, maybe I probably for the first six or seven years, but and I barely remember any of it now. Do we ever go to the Glass Craft Expo in Las Vegas? I do not know. I'm sure Jen knows about it, and I'm sure she's probably considered it. And if we ever, um, you know, realize her lifelong dream of getting a motorhome and just tooling around the country, we will probably do it. Okay. 
question, question. Oh, bye-bye, KK. All right. Uh, I see. Questions, questions, questions. Was surprised couldn't find... Oh, no, that's an exclamation point. I'm wondering. The time, one day, you could live as... You could live stream a board game from start to finish. I know it's not what you do. Well, I did. I, I did that for several years. If you go to live, L-I-V-E dot rotto dot com, you will find... I think ultimately I ended up doing like 28, 26 or 28 full live playthroughs of games. So there's a few years of stuff for you to watch there. Um, uh, KTK. But yeah, I, I, and every one of them was with Jen and ultimately we just had to stop because Jen was just not enjoying it. Do you have any recommendations for ja- 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 Japan themed games? Uh, the first one that pops into my head I covered last year when it was on Kickstarter. I don't think it's come out yet, Code Naga. It is called... Katana. Shogun's Katana is an excellent medium-ish uh, Euro all about, you know, taking orders from the uh, from the Shogun to make Katanas. It had a really great thematic integration, and I was very impressed by it. Um, Dave Turchie has a great post about how, yeah, female co-designers are leaving the project and royalties. It was a great post. Uh, oh, right, 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 The about prison. Yeah, I, I, I did see him post... Uh, about and I thought that was very very impressive. I, you know, really great of him to step up and and uh, say, look, I I made a mistake. I just didn't consider it. I was too busy just designing the game and not thinking about you know the what was it the the Ian Malcolm. You're so busy thinking about whether you could, you didn't stop to consider whether you should. You know that kind of a thing. Um, and it was very impressive. Did, have I watched Invincible? Yes, Invincible was great. I really enjoyed it. Right from that moment that everybody knows from the first episode right up to the end to that last episode. I hadn't read the comic, so I didn't know any of it. And, um, yeah, uh, very impressed. It's really weird to know that there's also, right now, a live-action version of it in development. And I don't know how I feel about that. It'll be really interesting. I'll, I'll, pr- I'll probably watch that, too, to contrast and compare. Oh, my gosh, we've done it. We've caught up, folks. Favorite deck builder of all time. Can Arnak surpass the Granddaddy Dominion? No, Dominion is my favorite deck builder of all time. And, I mean, I'm well, ask me again once we get to play this new expansion from Arnak. The thing is, there is so much Dominion that can do now. And I've got it all. How, how can any game beat that? I don't know that it can. And Katana Naga, oh my gosh, folks, we have done it. I, I, I told you, whoever it was, uh, the people that I, I, I've got the stamina, I could outlast you all. So, quick, before, before you have more questions, hurry! Let's, uh, oh, ah, shoot. Favorite tight. Oh, no. Ah, all righty. <laughs> favorite tight tense game. Um, that's a good top 10 list to do. My favorite one is Shadow and Crossfire. Calico pops into my mind is another really amazing one. Well, I do a run through of Monasterium. Maybe someday down the road. I would really like it because I think DLP has great designs and it looks really good. Uh, and I'm out. Okay, I caught up again. You two are too slow, Jason. Um, if I can just find the freaking button! If I can find the button! Where is it? Uh, Invincible versus the boys. Invincible. Um, there's some really good stuff in the boys. Uh, but I've read the boys comics, so it, that always makes it tougher to contrast and compare, whereas I went in Invincible knowing nothing. Okay, chat, I found it. Boom! Ha ha ha! I win! Alrighty. And I don't even know how long we've been going for, folks. But, there we go. That was the top 10 games of 2020, plus a short little Q&A. And I will be back next week on the 1st 
streaming on all three platforms again to do my monthly roundup where I talk about all the games Jen and I played and I do it in countdown form. So every month I crown a new game of the month and um, also Shay pops up and talks about the games he's covered. So um, be sure to subscribe or follow or whatever it is one does if, if you would like to see more of this because there will be more coming soon. But now I am going to hit the big button to say goodbye if I can find it because I am exhausted. Where is it? Okay, everybody, talk to you later. So long. Bye-bye.